Hello and welcome to the Racing with Rob and Roller podcast post Daytona 500 edition. My name is Rob Peters and I am snowed in right now here in Indiana. It is snowing like no else out there right now. Uh, Josh Roller is my co-host and I'm to much better weather down there in Charlotte than it is here. Is that right, Josh? It's raining. It's a little chilly, but I will take rainy and uh, chilly low 30s compared to what you were getting up there. For yeah. sure. Sorry, Mom. Yeah, I think I, I'm pretty sure that uh, rain is a little better than the copious amounts of snow. I mean, it has been snowing since I woke up this morning. I've seen pictures and of it, dude. It, 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 it looks great. looks beautiful, but not for February. It looked beautiful in the morning. You know, when the sun was hitting just right, and then and ever since then, it's just been awful. Uh, but, you know, we have a lot to discuss today, because uh, we watched a Daytona 500 last night. Or, it lasted, I guess, over two days, which was really weird. Um, yeah, so it lasted two days, basically. Uh, we started the race at 3 o'clock, for some reason. A dumb reason that I think most of social media agrees is ridiculous. Uh, and did not end this thing until, like, 1 o'clock. It was, yeah, it was pushing 12.30. Yeah, I think when it, when it ended, um, we've got a lot going on, and and I'm happy about that. But you know what I gotta say, um, I think it's uh, best that we get into some of the news because we don't have a lot of news, but we do have some of the news. But uh, mm-hmm. so let's go ahead and be sure to follow us on social media. Uh, we're uh, at Robin Roller. It's spelled just like it sounds. You can find us on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We got a YouTube channel. We're gonna post a bunch of these. Uh, podcasts on our youtube channel so that you can watch them in different ways um and not just listening to us on on the tv but uh, excuse me on your phone but maybe having us on in the background while you're browsing your your sites what have you um mm-hmm. but anyway you can find us there or uh you can find us individually i'm at r peters 33 on twitter and josh is at roller underscore zero one on twitter um those are our social media handles if, if you're new to the podcast because it is season three episode two maybe we're assuming some people are giving us a try for the first time these are our social media handles thank you so much if you are a frequent listener of the show i'm sure you're getting tired of us mentioning that by now but we always do it just for our new listeners so uh our first segment today is going to be rob's racing report i know i've talked a lot josh is going to talk a little bit more in here i'm going to do the talking for a little bit we don't have a lot of news to discuss but we do have some uh, it, it broke uh, over the past this past week that uh, the Formula One uh, world is kind of in a state of shock a little bit right now. Uh, for, Fernando Alonso uh, was out biking and uh, was hit by a car. Um, and he was taken to a local hospital. Um, and, and it seems like he's going to be okay. He just broke his jaw. Um, and it seems like he's, he's going to be okay. Uh, hopefully he's going to be okay in time for next uh, for in time for next month's planned um racing uh i think they're, they're still going to buy rain first now yeah it's late march like march 20th late march okay so so fred's got a little bit of time to to rest up and uh hopefully that jaw is going to be okay hope hopefully we'll see yeah um and that's but that's the biggest thing we're thinking about fernando right now hoping that he can make a full full recovery here and uh be good to go. It's always it's always risky whenever you're out bicycling. You know, any any time you got to be careful. You got to share the roads, and some people just don't don't want to. Um, and you get accidents like that. I mean, Nikki Hayden passed away in a bicycling accident, um, and those are things that you never want to have have happen. So you know, make sure to wear your helmet and watch out for uh, cars. And cars, watch out for bikes. Be be courteous to bikes because believe me, 
Um, I've been on my fair share of bike rides where cars have come at me. And I don't know what it is about us that makes people think that they can hit us, but they do, man. I'm too fat now. I haven't cycled in a long time. But when I did, yeah, it was scary. So a uh, little bit more Formula One news here. Uh, Honda is still leaving Formula One after this season. Uh, after a surprisingly very brief return, which with mixed results, um, very mixed results. But Red Bull has reached an agreement with Honda to continue its use of the power unit technology until 2025 when the next generation of Formula One and Formula One engines is to debut. So this is a big deal for uh, Red Bull. Hopefully they will be able to continue having a stable power unit that they can then later develop and hopefully make a little bit more reliable and continue to add reliability to it as it goes along. Yeah. Um, I would hope that uh, that would be a little bit uh, more successful for them, especially since they've got Verstappen and Perez. And if there's going to be a time to take on the Mercedes, it's going to be this year. It's going to be this year for Red Bull. So that's going to be really, really important um, for there. Uh, and there's one note here. We don't have it in the notes, but I wanted to talk about it real quick. A couple of things that um, I want to talk about. Uh, there was an update. We I, I retweeted it last week. And this is more feeder series news, but uh, Logan Sargent uh, tweeted out oh, his yes. plans yes. for yeah for 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 next year, you know. Uh, and it looks like, unfortunately, it looks like the F one dream is over for him. The F two dream isn't even going to come true. Um, the amount of money that you need to have to go F two racing is just not worth it anymore, apparently to to some people. And I I think that that sounds about about right i think that's i there there's no other drivers that feel this way um i can't I, I might be wrong but i think was it i don't know if it was enzo fittipaldi or if it was someone else it might it was it was his son of a driver i think i can't remember but you know there's the the amount of money that is needed to advance your career in formula one into formula one is yeah. outrageous and there's a lot of theater series drivers that are unbelievably upset with how Calamilot has been treated um, post Formula Two, having won the champ, not won the championship, came close to the championship. Um, but he, there was, there was a lot of oper- people who believe that Ilot should have been given a Formula One ride. Um, there's still a lot of rumors that say he had one lined up until Mazepin came in along at the last second and, and yeah. scooped it up away from him. Yeah. Um, and there's. A lot of people who just flat aren't happy about that. Uh, and they've decided, you know, it's not worth it. We're going to go sports car racing. And Logan Sargent is another one. He's focusing. He's going to come uh, probably back stateside and do some sports car racing. So we might see him over here in IMSA, maybe in Trans Am. Who knows? Uh, maybe he might even try some WEC or, or whatever, you know, who knows? But he's looking for sports car opportunities right now, which is really disappointing um, because this guy came, you know, maybe – a race away from winning the formula three champion yeah. championship last year. And I think that, you know, had four points, four points. Yeah. Four points. And I think, you know, had things gone differently, hopefully he would have gotten the Prema ride in formula two to team up with Schwartzman. But unfortunately that didn't happen. Um, it went, it, I mean, let's be honest. It, it probably went to the guy it was supposed to go to as much as us Americans probably hate to admit it. It went to the guy that it was, probably going to go to you win the championship you're kind of supposed to move up and if you don't then the system is broken so yeah. um and 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 even then we're talking about the system being broken because you need the amount of money that you need it's already kind of broken so do you uh, think that's, that's right 
that's racing. That's racing. I mean, you always are going to have to have money in order to go racing. You can't show up with no budget and expect to do anything. Um, you, you, it's just not possible. So it's disappointing, but it's the reality of it. Do you think he'll go IndyCar racing? Or we'll give, we'll give it a shot? Do you think he'll give it a shot? I would like to see it. Um, you know, I would really like to see Logan Sargent come over here. It would be – he would. I think he would be a good talent. I mean, from what he showed in Formula 3, I think it would be really fun to see him in an IndyCar, or at the very least, an Indy Lights car. Right. You know, I think if he didn't, he wouldn't have to come do IndyCar right away because I don't know if he would have the credentials yet. But at the very least, you know, actually doing Indy Lights might be the, better because it might be more affordable. Yeah. Um, and then if that's you win a championship, you get that scholarship. And that's what's important is that scholarship money because then – you know, you could take, you know, you might have a budget to go Indy Lights racing and you might not have enough of a budget to go IndyCar racing, but you get that scholarship. I mean, you really might have a chance there because I, I know he doesn't have the budget for Formula 2. I mean, that's just not going to happen. I mean, the amount of the available seats that are out there right now are just not worth it. I mean, mm-hmm. they might be the cheapest, but they're just flat out not worth it. Um, and, and I think that's probably Sargent's point of view is it's just like, yeah, you could go to Formula 2, but you're going to be wasting a whole ton of money that you might want back at some point or not even have to begin with and run around in 20th and end up hurting your career more than helping it. Right. Um, so it's it, he's probably making the right decision um, going sports car racing instead. I think he's, he could probably have more success, but I would like to see him to go Indy car racing. Do I think he's going to do it? I, I don't think so. I, there's a lot of drivers that come through the ranks of feeder series that I would love to see an IndyCar. I mean, I, there's a lot of drivers that I, I would love to see Callum Eilat come over here in IndyCar. I think that would be great. He would be a fantastic talent to come mm. over here in IndyCar. I think he could, he could easily win races if he got in a competitive car. It would not be that difficult for him to do. Um, and, and I think he could have a good success, rel- good, good success over here. Uh, but, you know, some guys, it's the ovals. Guys are not not so sure about the ovals. I mean, I would hope that there's more drivers out there that can convince, you know, guys that, hey, ovals aren't as scary as you're making them out to be. You know, yeah. I feel like there's some veterans out there that have done this, like Sebastian Bourdais. Bourdais came up through a road racing background, and he didn't have any experience on ovals until he got to Champ Car in 2003, and he's been a master on it ever since. You know, yeah. even when he was in Champ Car, it only took him a couple of years to – like, I know there was only one oval in 2006, but uh, the, the dude still won the race. And then he came along in, in IndyCar, and he's actually ended up winning more IndyCar oval races. He has a win, I think, at Milwaukee, Bourdais won at. Um, you know, so it, it's not impossible for these guys with road racing backgrounds to have success on the ovals. And I think it's important for IndyCar guys who have full time to kind of tell them, look, it's safe, guys. It's not as scary as it used to be. We understand you saw Vegas 2011 and thought, that's not for me. But let's be honest, it's that's not what it is anymore. I mean, yeah. that kind of situation is not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It, you're not going to be put in that kind of situation anymore. And even if, hypothetically, this does happen, you have a halo now. And you have a, 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 a semi-closed cockpit, you mm-hmm. know. So I'm saying if the in, in the event that something like this happened, that happened again, it won't. It would still be a safer. It would still be a safer accident than what we had 10 years ago. Right. Um, and that's that's the way it is. And I, I would hope that some people are, are convincing other drivers of that. I understand they're still scared of Pocono, which is 
against Elite. All you have to do is drive smart at Pocono and drive single file and make your passes like you would at Indianapolis. You wouldn't go, again, you wouldn't go three wide in a turn two at Indianapolis. You wouldn't. You you back out of it, and, and you set them up for turn three. Everybody does this. Everybody does this. It has been happening since the first green flag fell in 1911. You don't be stupid and try and force the issue on the first lap because it's a long race. And that's exactly what that happens every time they turn them loose at Pocono. Yeah, hey, let's go too wide through the tunnel turn. What could go wrong? It's lap two. What could go wrong if we try and force the issue through the tunnel turn? Not like we would do this at any other track, but let's do it at Pocono. I don't know. That's enough ranting today. Let's move on to Supercars news that I missed up out on last week. Um, Jamie Wincup has announced his retirement. Seven-time Supercar champion Jamie Wincup has announced his retirement. He will retire from Supercars after t- this 2021 season, which is a huge— and, and Josh, you and I were talking about it, but Supercars is probably going through a lull that NASCAR is having lately in losing all of their big stars. I mean, you look at it two years ago, Craig Lowndes retired. We lost, they lost uh, Scott McLaughlin this, this past year to IndyCar, and now they're losing Jamie Wincup. I mean, it, that's three of the biggest stars in Australian motorsport right now that are stepping away or, or limiting their uh, full-time involvement with the series. And, and that is just huge because now it's it, – it, you brought up a good point last week. This was off the record, but you got to brought up a good point about it. Was who's going to take the reins over now? Is it going to be Shane Van Gisbergen, the, the New Zealand Grand Prix champion, by the way, uh, Shane Van Gisbergen? Is that who's going to take over the reins is be the dominant – force in supercars uh i think he he won bathurst this year i think it's entirely possible um but then again there's a lot of really good drivers coming up i talked about anson de pasquale uh he's he's gonna have a, a good season a good opportunity coming up here with dick johnson racing i know it's not penske aligned dick johnson racing anymore but uh he still has an opportunity to do well and improve impress um it is de pasquale right i think i'm not thinking of someone else i hope so um <laughs> But uh, anyway, so that's that's the the news. I think that is Anton De Pasquale. Pasquale, yeah, he is he is going to Dick Johnson race. Yeah, okay, he is. I was right. I was right. Just wanted to make sure. I didn't want to say the wrong thing. Um, anyway, so let's move on here to NASCAR news. Uh, David Starr will return to the Xfinity Series, and he will drive the number thirteen Toyota for MBM Motorsports. The remaining 32 races in 2021 with sponsorship from Whataburger in 19 of those events. So good. He's got Whataburger back, I guess, which is always good. Um, And I'll talk about MBM Motorsports here a little bit when we get to the Daytona 500 discussion. Because I want to talk about them um, and how they were robbed. They were literally robbed from competing in the Daytona 500. Can't wait to Uh, hear this. You you want to, you'll want to stick around for this. So Parker Chase will pilot the number fifty one Kyle Busch Motorsports Toyota Tundra in two events this season. First next week, this upcoming week at the Daytona Road Course, and again at Circuit of the Americas in May, which is also, and we'll get to this again, the next time that you can uh, attempt to qualify in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, and we'll talk about this too because that's important at that Circuit I, of the America I, race. I, 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 I think, yeah, I'll bring that up myself. You know exactly where I'm going with this, don't you? I think I do. I ridiculous think I rule that I think NASCAR has come up with in the last couple of years at the very least. Uh, per a KBM press release, uh, it says, quote, Chase, an up-and-coming sports car driver who competed full-time in the IMSA Michelin Pilot Challenge this season, was a teammate of KBM co- owner Kyle Busch on the AIM Vassar Sullivan number 14 entry that finished ninth in the 18-car GTD class in the 2020 Rolex 24. So Kyle Busch's 
Uh, World X 24 champion, or excuse me, not champion, teammate from last season is going to race for Cowboys Motorsports in the Truck Series, which is cool. I always love, I always love Truck Series road races, so I'm just looking forward to this in general. Yeah, Um, that'll be cool to see. Um, We got uh, something. Last piece here uh, for NASCAR is Toyota Racing's David Wilson told Motorsports.com that he has been in talks about uh, two potential new owners that are currently not a part of the NASCAR Cup Series and cites the reason is the next-gen Cup car that will reduce costs for owners. So this is good because Toyota, as we saw, on the day, and we'll talk about this in the Daytona 500, in a, yeah. in a era where max manufacturer alliances pretty much dictate everything, Toyota is going to continue to get their butts kicked in plight races if they keep having to make green flag pit stops with four cars, four or five cars. I mean, quite literally. I mean, they are they are screwed if they have to keep coming in in those little tiny packs and having and they they have almost no data to share at all with between teams. It's just Joe Gibbs and twenty three eleven, which are basically the same team, and Gaunt Brothers. Um, you're laughing at that, like it's not true. <laughs> I mean, no comment. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but but. Okay. It's what should have been happening all along with the Levine family racing and whoever mm-hmm. and, and Furniture Row. It you got to work together. And, and as uh, according to Bob Levine's Twitter, he's not ha- he's he's not happy about it. He's bitter. He's a bitter I, old man. I I don't <laughs> blame him. I don't blame him one bit. He doesn't we, think Bub was very talented. You know that. I would disagree with that. Yeah, but, I would disagree with that yeah, as well. That that that's 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 just. That's boomer humor, I guess. Um, that yeah, that's taking bitter to a whole new level. That's just, yeah, yeah. I, I, I said it. I said it as a, as a gif. I said I don't know about that one, Chief. I said <laughs> my my Twitter was on fire on Sunday. You Nobody, were like crazy. Was Treat like crazy. <laughs> my Twitter was on fire on Sunday. I don't. Yeah, I'm 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 telling guys. I don't think you quit typing. Uh, I did to watch the race. I put well, I put I think, my yeah, phone I think that at least, man. You were like, I, I I was picturing you like I can picture Rob right now, like just typing out a a, a tweet like, no, can't do that. But no, I, I'm sorry. Oh, I did have I'm to censor myself. Fun of you. I'm I'm stating like I can I just know you. Yeah. 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 No, you're right. You're right. Pretty much. How that's how it goes. All right, so next segment here is our featured paint scheme, and uh, the featured year and series is going to be from the 2002 NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series, which is a, a very underrated season that I do enjoy going back and watching. It's also very interesting that it was – it's weird that Truck Series had the ESPN deal, and it was on a different deal than the Cup Series. And yeah. so that and deal – ESPN had the whole, whole entire uh, series at the time. And, uh, cause that was like, cause I remember the truck series was like Brian France's brainchild. Yeah. And, and that's why P- the, the success of the truck series is really what helped Brian France take over. Um, and his, his original idea was to get that centralized. I know we crap, I crap on Brian France every chance I get, but I will admit that from Hold a it. period between 1995 and 2000, it, he seemed to know what he was doing at least. Um, I don't know if that's when the, the alcohol kicked in or what happened, but, you know, he seemed to know what he was doing during this time. But, you know, ESPN had a uh, had that centralized co- television contract. So during 2001 and 2002, like if you I remember it was crazy because I have like old NASCAR Illustrated magazines. I have a ton of them. Right. 
and Josh, you know this. I have them yeah. dating back. I have almost every ish, issue dating back to like uh, 2000, I think. So I have a whole ton of them, and I always, it, I always get a kick out of them. And I always remember it because there's a in. I think it was in the April 2001 edition, the one where they published about Dale Senior's uh, passing. Uh, there's a letter to the editor in the back there. And it always get, it always makes me laugh because there's this person that's writing. He's like, what's up with all the NASCAR races being on cable nowadays? Thank God ESPN still has the truck series. I'm like, ESPN is cable. What are you talking about? That's <laughs> great. I was like, I was like, what is this guy talking about? Is it is really he about it? Does he not get FX and TNT? Because I'm pretty sure if you get ESPN, you get FX and TNT, which is what NASCAR was on at the time. I, I don't I that that always blew my mind even and every time I look back at it I thought I as a kid I thought there's no way that guy was complaining about that and I look back and I read about it like two years ago or something and sure enough that same complaint is in there like I think what? this guy just spun a wheel and said this is what I'm going to complain about today and write to NASCAR he took the time he took the time to sit down and compose a letter and send it to NASCAR Illustrated, and they took the time to, for some reason, publish it to either get of this guy, humiliate exactly. him, whatever. That was, that was a joke. He's like, okay, this is too good to pass up, right? Everyone who reads this, it's going to sell more magazines. People are like, yo, yo you got to go to the newsstand and pick up this magazine and read what this guy said. That's exactly what that was. That was that's social well, media. That was magazines, media, man. Those magazines are the best, especially yeah, if I, you look at them from a historical standpoint. Yeah, I wish I had more than I do. I, I have so many. I have a whole bookcase full of them. I, I mean, I got a subscription 2009-ish was what when I got a subscription, but I would actually buy every uh, every single edition from the newsstand every month. So yeah. I would still, I would still get. I probably would miss a month or two that I didn't see it or something. But every time I went out and saw it, I usually got five dollars. It's like whatever. I mean, yeah. it's whatever. Five dollars of my own money, or sometimes my parents' money, whatever. Uh, so back to the point is the 2002 Craftsman Truck Series. Josh, you have. I love what we've picked. We, I yeah, love our, our selections. What we've picked here, um, they're really fun. I, and, and and seriously, I think I'm gonna have to go back and watch some truck races from 2002 now, um, again because I just I fell I I refell in love with it again. So, Josh, tell us all about your featured paint scheme from this uh, glorious year of truck racing. Yeah. So, who do you associate Ron Hornaday with in the first decade of the truck series, Rob? Who who do you who do you associate him with? Dale Earnhardt driving yeah. the 16, Papa John's or Napa car. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And who are they rivals with? Hendrick Motorsports, right? Hendrick Motorsports, because in Jack Sprague, they kind of bounced back and forth, had this back and forth championship for a while. Well, did you know he drove the 24 Hendrick Motorsports Chevrolet at Daytona that season? Did I? I don't know. Yeah, he did. It was a one-off, one-off race. I can't even. Uh, I I I went back and I tried to find the video where I where I found uh, a little snippet of what happened, but I could not. And for the life of me, find it. I looked on my lunch today at work and like I still couldn't find it. I was really frustrated about it. But he drove the number twenty four Wolverine Boot Chevrolet that day. 
look just like the 24 Jack Sprague and Jeff Gordon have driven as if you guys remember to for context in 2001 in the truck series Ricky Hendrick drove the 17 and Jack Sprague drove the 24 well for 2002 they both moved up to the what's now the Xfinity series um and and Ricky was in the 5 and Jack was in the 24 still net zero uh sponsored machine so they had some trucks running by Ron Hornday went to uh, Xfinity racing in 2000 with DEI um, that I don't know. I, I don't I don't know how that all came to an end, but then he went up to AJ Foyt and drive the 14 Pontiac and Seiko Pontiac. Such yep, a good I do car, remember that car in 2001 that didn't pan out. So he was out of a ride. He goes to drive this car or this truck for Rick. And it was, I think it was, just a car that used to have the 17 on it. Cause it looked exactly like the, the truck that Ricky Hinder drove all season long and, and won at Kansas, by the way. And, uh, he started second, but unfortunately he finished 12th that day, one lap down. Um, and again, it was the only start for him in the 24 that year. And the only start for the 24, um, that season too. And if I, I'm going to, I, I kind of want to look this up now. I'm going to pull a Rob here, and I'm going to pull a quick research up here in the middle of a segment. And that's- I'm always researching stuff, so don't feel bad about it. If there's ever something that I'm not sure about, I will quickly research it because that's just – I have to do it. Yeah, I mean, so I, can't, there, I can't say something that's wrong. Yeah, exactly. I agree. I agree. Okay, so I, I – uh, ooh, that's the Arca, not truck. Here's the truck. Yes, so that would be the last trucks truck that Hendrick Motorsports would field until Chase Elliott in 2013. So that there's there you go. I thought that was, I thought I didn't want to say that, but I thought that I'm like I'm pretty I'm confident that that is that. But I want to double check. That's so yeah, cool. that, that's my feature paint scheme. Pretty cool one off run Hornaday Hendrick Motorsports Truck Series. What the heck? What the heck's going on? I love it. I love it. Uh, so my selection is actually going to be easily one of my favorite one off trucks of all time is Daryl Waltrip's number seventeen Ty Dodge. That he drove to a sixth place finish at IRP, Indianapolis Raceway Park. Uh, DW made a brief return to the truck series in 2002. So DW retired at the end of the 2000 season. Mm-hmm. Went up to the, to cover uh, to go call races at Fox in 2001. Uh, but still had the racing bug. Uh, still had the racing itch, obviously. And mm-hmm. wanted to do a few races here and there. So by 2002, Daryl Weltrip decides he's going to do some truck racing. He's going to race this cr- in his truck series. Because I guess he's he falls in love with it, I guess. Which... It was hard not to fall in love with the truck series back then. Back I mean, then. nowadays I kind of get it, but back then, truck series is peak. I mean, probably about until it's going to sound terrible, but I really think the truck series was really probably about until 20, 2013 was when the truck series was like peak, like Wait, from, from the, the from the start to twenty thirteen, and then yeah. that's when Nationwide started taking over as being, like, the superior. And then Cup had that resurgence in 2014 where it was like, all right, this is the superior thing, and then ever since then it's been Xfinity. I, I would say that from a competition standpoint, but I still like the the, the Craftsman, you know, the truck series of old when the majority of the schedule was short tracks. Oh, same. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, even then, like I said, up until 2013 when you still had the majority of them were short tracks. You still had a bunch of short tracks that they went to. Uh, 2010, they still – 2009 – even the 2008 too, they were still racing at short tracks, um, and uh, and then that kind of all fell apart after like, yeah, like around 2012, 2013, really, because as soon as they left IRP after 2011, they left yeah, they IRP dropped, after 2011. They dropped in 09, yeah. or no, it was 09. 
Yeah. Yeah, Mansfield uh, Mansfield had dropped after eight. South Boston let Gateway like, ended up coming back. Gateway, yeah, they they came back, but Mansfield like replaced South Boston because South yeah. Boston South Boston in 03 for the last time. Mansfield came on in 04 the way till 08. Iowa came on in 09. The Iowa truck races were always really good anyway. Any Iowa race was good. I'm sorry. They were all good. Yeah, IndyCar had some real good bangers there for a while. Yeah. yeah. Of course, yeah. And, and then I don't know what it was about IndyCar in Iowa. Usually it was better. It was always better as a night race. Yeah. Always better as a night race. When they went back to the day races, those races were just pure garbage because the track was too hot. Yep. The track was too hot for the racing to be do, to be any good. But when the track was cool, then it was like, okay, now this is a race. You know, it's the same like with Richmond. I mean, Richmond during the day was terrible. But you turn the lights off at Richmond, and, and Richmond gets good. And it's like <laughs> now you wonder, this is why every race at Richmond is at night, because that's the only time you're going to get good racing and, yep. and good handling race cars. Um, anyway, so Darrell Waldrop, he comes back, and he drives uh, two races for HT Motorsports. And uh, his first starts at Martinsville, and ironically, this is the best part, is he's driving uh, the, a car sponsored by Wolverine Boots as well uh, in the 17. Yeah. But the car right. I'm talking about is his Tide Ride that he wrote, drove yes. at IRP. It's a Tide Ride. So think Ricky Rudd, like think Daryl Waltrip, think, you know, uh, every, every Ricky Craven, whatever Tide Ride you associate with, with, whatever driver you associate a Tide Ride with, think about that. It's the same exact look. Uh, the, except it, it, it had a it had a different uh, logo on the front, but it was still mostly the same. A yeah. different Tide logo, at least on the front. Yeah. Same. And the and the numbers were were white, which was actually kind of interesting and interesting design choice, but not the worst thing. Uh, it was but yeah, like it, a spin on modern Tide on uh, modern Tide. Yeah. Right? yeah. They didn't want to make it look like too much like the PPI. Motorsport they didn't. They, they wanted to keep it classic, but they didn't want to infringe on what was already there. Correct. Um, and that's that I think was a good idea. God, I missed that tide ride. Why have we not had the tide ride come back full time yet? I mean, we we had it with Matt Kenseth once in like 2017 as a throwback. Yeah. And then where did it go? It it it's been gone ever since. Yeah, Tide was like had a few races with Joe Gibbs Racing. Yeah. Like for a year or two, they had a few races. I think might have even had a couple in the Xfinity too. Well, it was a Menards co-sponsor too, I think. So it was on Brandon yeah. Jones' car, and sometimes it was on Paul Menards. Mm-hmm. That is correct. Um, I, I think it would be great to have them come back because that would just be a car that you could just spark so many memories for like, the older generation. I don't even care if five races, just give me like a tide ride. No, oh crap! No, uh, shoot, I forgot. They, uh, uh, Ryan Priest runs a tide ride. Like once a year, yeah. It's it's not it's not the tide ride of old, but I like it. It is I a good looking car. Like it. It's a good looking car. It, yeah. it, it isn't. It is easily a, it always going to be a top fifteen paint scheme of the year. For the so, yeah. I I every I have to have it in our two thousand three. It's in my main roster every time, and in on uh, any NASCAR heat game, if there's DLC that has it, I have to buy that. Because I just have to have that car in the game. Yeah. I have to have that car. It's just the best looking car. I'm sorry. I don't care about it. I don't care. I don't feel bad. I don't feel bad about admitting that. I'm going to admit it. Um, all right. Uh, this week's winners. Let's take a look. So we've got uh, – we had a packed week of racing. 
the speed week, I guess, we could press everything into one week. So first race was the Arca East, started at New Smyrna, had a crazy three-wide finish that we talked about on the podcast yeah. last week, but we didn't get around to actually like discussing about it. But holy cow, yes, yeah, so a three-wide finish, an absolutely insane three-wide finish. Max Gutierrez wins this race. Uh, and then the next day we go to the Clash. Yep. We have the Clash, which is uh, which ends up with Ryan Blaney and Chase Elliott wrecking each other and Kyle Busch sneaking by and winning. So Kyle Busch gets his win. <laughs> you know, it's a non-points win. But, hey, man, he's a Clash winner. He'll lane. take it. It's victory lane. It's victory lane, right. And I think he was just waiting for them to wreck each other. So, yeah. uh, and, 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 and then the duels. And we had the duels on, Saturday, on Thursday. Uh, Arco Morona won the first duel. Then we had some rain. Uh, and then Austin Dillon won the second duel. Um, and then the truck series came around, and uh, Ben Rhodes, Ben Rhodes won. Uh, and I'm pretty sure, like three or four trucks had a chance to win that race in the last lap, and still had a chance to win that race in the, going to the very last moment. Um, Arca happened and just bored the hell out of everybody. Uh, Corey Heim won, but who cares? I mean, the race. Jamie Little was a great announcer, and if it was not for her, I think I would have fallen asleep. Actually, I had work to do. I was working all throughout the ARCA race. But if I was watching that thing and I had to sit with Vince Welch, I would have been asleep. I would have been asleep. He did a fantastic job. A absolutely fantastic job. I mean, Jamie Little saved that broadcast. I didn't think, I didn't see anyone on Twitter like outwardly complaining. Did she make some mistakes? Yeah, she made a few, but everyone it's in the her first time first was lead mistake. commentary role, and you could I couldn't tell. Exactly, I couldn't tell either. She did a fantastic job. I think Hale, uh, her and 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 uh, Phil Parsons made a great little duo there, and then Chase Briscoe was also a part of the broadcast. Um, absolutely phenomenal job. Whenever she's in the broadcast booth for the Arca series this year, it's going to be a treat. Um, it it just is re- uh, rejuvenation for that for that entire series and just the broadcast for the series in itself so i i'm excited for it i i hope she gets a shot uh at a at a higher division one day i would love it if they just gave her gave her the truck series say hey vince welch you put everybody to sleep here jamie little's gonna take your spot in it we want our viewers to actually watch the race not have it on as background music and fall asleep <laughs> xfinity at daytona austin Cindric, holy cow I thought he was gonna do a weekend sweep there for a little bit. Uh, he had a little. He had a shot. He had a legitimate. He had shot a legitimate shot at, at doing the weekend sweep. Um, and uh, and then and then the Daytona 500 happened, and I guess Michael McDowell won. He passed Tech, so he did win. I still can't believe it. I am still in utter shock. I am still trying to process the title, Michael McDowell, Daytona 500 champion. Uh, it doesn't seem real. It seems like a sick, cruel joke that I prayed on myself. And if I told myself, I, tell, I, I said this on Twitter, and I, I t- told this to uh, my fiance last night too. I said, um, if my future self went back in time last week and said, I want you to put $10 on Michael McDowell, I would have looked him straight in the eye, and I would have said, that is the stupidest waste of money I've ever heard in my life. It, I could it, think of so many better uses of ten dollars than betting ten betting it on Michael McDowell to win the five hundred. And yeah, we'll, we'll talk some about some guy. Actually, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but I said this on Twitter. Some guy, there, his odds were plus sixty six hundred. Yeah, someone put a ten dollar bet on Mc, 
McDowell to win the race just for fun and won eight hundred dollars off of it. It's a heck of a that's a heck of a, a win. I would, yeah, absolutely. I, I we'll talk about this later, but um, you know, he, across the line, I knew by the time I caught him, like Michael McDowell won this race. I was sitting there, I was pulling a full Larry Mack, like Michael McDowell won this race. Won this race, like and, what? And. As they're coming back around down the back stretch, I instantly like, oh my gosh, Rob's gonna have to eat crow. <laughs> I said it on this podcast last week. Yeah. I said specifically, we when we talked about Love's re-signing, that we get another few years of mediocrity out of Michael McDowell. Which, and I I trashed him too. I, 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 am, I am disappointed in myself that I didn't defend him because he is a great super speedway racer and a hell of a road racer. Do I think he's going to go back to back to start 2021? No, I, I but he he has a great opportunity to go back to back top tens and get off to a really good point start. Maybe collect some extra, maybe try to win a stage. I don't know, but here's the thing: he's in the, he's in the playoffs. This team doesn't have to worry about it. But let's talk about that a little bit later, and let's let's talk about the clash first because I know that was a race. We yeah, I do want to talk about. about the clash. I do want to talk about the clash. It's actually so. Here's the thing about the clash: is I'll get I'll I'll, I'll get us started on that. Um, the Daytona Road Course. Okay, so here's the thing: when I when I tune into the clash, when I watch Bush Clash, I'm sitting here thinking, man, finally, I've been waiting all winter to watch cars go 200 miles an hour around the Daytona Oval. I'm so excited, and then I tune in for the clash, and I'm like. They're going 170, and they're heavy braking. I hate this. But then, you know, as the race went on, as pit strategy started to play out, and as caution started to play to happen, I liked it more. And I think the thing that I liked the most about it was it was a 35-lap race without any stages. It, 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 It raced almost equivalent to a Formula 2 or 3 race. And I liked that. I liked that. Um, I didn't think I was going to like it at first. I really thought I was going to. This was going to be a disappointing clash, where it was just going to be like a boring kickoff, like a squib kick to start speed week. You know, I was like, this is going to be terrible. It's a great analogy, by the way. But it, it turned out being pretty good. You know, it turned out being pretty good. And like I said, a lot of things that made that happen was probably due to the lack of stages the the sprint race format of it and you know you only had how many did that pit stops did they probably have to make over that two maybe well, they only have to make one but you know one thing i was going to point out this you don't you, you high you can time in hindsight but you know if you can look at an alternate universe this race could have been a complete disaster you know yeah very easily i think it had some things go right um you know cautions maybe fell at the right time you know they had that caution for the dirt removal um, which I loved that Mike Joy brought up the Riverside memory of ah, backstretch that had dirt on all both sides. Like, oh my gosh, thank you, Mike Joy. You are a gift to us all. Um, but you then you had the Martin Truex caution that kind of saw as that you would be, you had the competition caution, I guess. You had the Martin Truex caution, and that kind of set up for the end. Um, what we had there, which is a a battle between two youngsters, you know, I know I, we're, they're, they're not young, young anymore, 
but they are Ryan Blaney and Chase Elliott. You know, that's a, cha- a champion and a future champion there who are going to be a big part of the sport. I thought that was so much better, and I apologize to these drivers, than seeing a Kevin Harvick, Martin Truex Jr. That happened to those two guys, you know. Here you had two young guys, and then here comes a guy like, I've been here 15 years. I'm going to pass you now because you guys can go through a chicane side by side on the last lap. I thought that was great. It was the finish and excitement that that race needed. And yeah, I like the short uh, distance too. I thought 35 might be a little long, but I think it turned out to be pretty good. Pretty solid uh, distance. Um, but yeah. Um, what did you think about the the, the end there? I, I kind of like Chase diving in. And here's the thing I wanted to say, and I might steal your thunder here, but Ryan Blaney knew Chase was going to be coming in there. Think about this. Yeah, Chase has the advantage entering the chicane, but if Blaney goes wide, he can force Chase up on the exit of the chicane, and he's got the advantage, but instead he kind of turned down and took took the lane because neither of them are going to get through there very well because Chase isn't going to be able to get that straighter shot off because he's going to have to turn more to the right than he would like to. I thought we could have had a drag race, and I think Blaney would have won if he doesn't cut down in front of him. What do you think? Well, I, I mean, I think in one of those situations, you have to know. It's 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 like we'll talk about this later on the last on, about the last lap of the 500 too. It's it's one of those situations where I think if you're the leader, you just have to know that things are going to get stupid behind you, and no matter what you do in the moment you're not going to win this race. Like there has to be, and I know it's hard for a race car driver to even contemplate accepting that at any stage uh, during the race. You don't think about that. It's not going to happen. You're you're still thinking you're going to win, but subconsciously something has to be saying in the back of your head, this guy is going to completely dump me. That's exactly. There's nothing I can do about it. I mean, I can give him room. I can squeeze him. I can block him. It doesn't matter what I do. This dude is going to straight up wreck me, and I am just going to have to play the part. And I really think that's what Blaney had to – I mean, I understand Chase didn't go into the corner saying, I'm going to wreck this guy. He went into the corner and dive-bombed into the corner, and it if you can't control a car on two wheels. I'm sorry. When you hit that curb, you're going to go into him. You're going to spin him out, and then you're going to spin out. And we're going to see exactly what happened at the Charlotte Roval in 2018, which is exactly what happened. Only yeah. difference is Ryan Blaney was on the opposite end of this this one this time. He was not in Kyle Busch's spot like he was the first time. It's 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 NASCAR road racing, yeah. you know, where in NASCAR road racing, there's two things that don't exist, etiquette and track limits. And that's why it's so great is because it's unlike any other road racing on the planet because those two things don't exist is etiquette and track limits. You wreck whoever if if you are within passing distance on the last lap, you go into that last chicane or you go into that last corner and you probably break fifty percent if that you let off the gas or break as little and as late as possible and you just send it full send in there. You use that other car as a break, basically. You use yeah. that other car as your breaking point. <laughs> I mean, you just send it in there, and, and if they wreck, they wreck. 
You know, that's not my problem. I went for it. That's what you say. And I don't blame Elliot for doing that because it's a non-points race. Who cares? Um, I'm sure he didn't want to intend to wreck Blaney, but I think him and Blaney both knew that he was going to make that move. Blaney knew he was going to make the move. Chase knew he was going to make the move. Chase probably thought, I'm going to get away with this. I'm going to wreck him, but I'm going to get away with this until he He does get away with it if Kyle Busch is a second further back. He does. He well, gets a- yeah. And he wins that. Um, yeah, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Great finish. I thought it was a finish everyone needed. And by the way, something we did fail to mention, different package this time around compared to August. Thank the good Lord. It was a much um, better package. They looked like they could race better. Yeah. I love that- seeing those small spoilers on the rear cars. I was like, oh, this looks On nice. Daytona. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was really... It, it was a great treat. I think, uh, you know, I think it's going to return next year for sure. I think we'll have you on the road course again because, again, remember, let's remind everyone, kind of the reason this happened was they didn't want owners in the in the clash this year to go in there and wreck a bunch of brand new cars because we were supposed to have the new next-gen car this year. And obviously, that got delayed because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And I think it'll happen next year. We'll probably be re-racing these, the, whatever car you brought to the Roval next year or, or this year, you're going to be bringing to Daytona in, in next February to race in the, in the clash. Um, that's probably the way it's going to be. And I, I'm excited. I'm excited for this Sunday to see what happens with this package with the full field. And then I'm kind of excited to see what happens again next year with the, with the, with the clash uh, on the road course part two. By the way, I did want to ask you this too: Is Kyle Busch a two-time winner in the Bush Clash, or is he a two-time first-time winner in the Clash? Um, he's a two-time winner of the Clash. You're not counting this two separate kind of timeline, or uh, you know, he I, look. I, you don't want to change. I, I mean. Sure, I guess you could say he's a two-time first-time winner, but 2012, I think, was still a better clash than this one, but I'm biased because I like... I feel... I, I was talking to Robin, too, the other night, my, my fiance. I said, like, I feel like I'm the last oval fan on the face of the planet. I just prefer oval racing. It doesn't matter. IndyCar, NASCAR, it doesn't matter. I just prefer to watch an oval race over a road course. And this is coming from somebody who loves Formula One feeder series, which are all on road courses. I mean, look, I... That's where I want to see my road racing. I want to see stock cars, and in this case, Indy cars, run around at high-speed ovals and try and break speed records. I, I'm sorry. That's what I want to see. I I guess I'm in the minority, but um, but that's okay. Um, anyway, you know, and if if, if if it becomes more like this and it, 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 the clash becomes exciting like this every year, then great. But the worst thing they could do is put stages on a road course race. Um, and the, I think the reason, uh, specifically the reason why the clash was as good as it was this past Tuesday, was specifically because uh, there was no, there was no, st- it was no stages. You just, it was a thirty-five time. lap balls to the wall race. You make a pit stop here, or there, and you just go for it, you know. And and that's what I think made it a better race. Um, I want to move on here. I know we don't have it in the show notes, but I do want to talk about the duels because I want to make a note here. Um, and we, if you watch the duels. It duels were good. It was good racing. It was very good. It was actually a lot better racing than we saw. We ended up seeing it Sunday. Um, 
and I'll say that emphatically. I believe that it was much better racing than we saw on Saturday, on Sunday, excuse me. Um, but here's the thing. Here's the thing that, and, and I've ranted and I've gone on rants about the charter system. I my first initial rant about the charter system was because I felt like it's it served as an incentive for teams not to try. And for a while, it it did seem like that. Like Premier Motorsports, Spire, Rick Ware, just they just took up places. Now, okay, now you've gotten to a point where Rick Ware is the last team that doesn't seem to give a crap. Spire has gotten to a point where they're actually I'm I'm legitimately taking Corey LaJoy seriously. I'm not saying that Spire is entering a crap car for Corey LaJoy. I have seen actually they both McMurray and LaJoy scored top ten finishes. So I at it's this point for Spire Motorsports this year for sure. Right. At this point right now, everything I said about Spire Motorsports in season one, I'm taking back. Okay, they have shown me that they want to be here and compete long term, and that's quite frankly all I need to see. You have qualifying. Okay, you have qualifying for this race. And I understand why the things are the way they are. I'm not I'm not saying I already say things should change. I'm not gonna suggest what they are because I've already done that. I'm just going to bring this up again that you had a situation where both MBM cars, Carl Long's two cars, Timmy Hill and Garrett Smithley, handedly, by like at least a second or a full mile an hour, outqualified all four Rick Ware cars. Um, Ty Dillon ran up at the front all race only to miss out in the last 100 feet. I'm not mad about Austin Cedric racing. That is not the least. Austin Cindric, props to no, you. If you're, if you're mad about Austin Cindric racing, you haven't paid You've missed the point entirely. Yeah. Cindric racing, we should not be upset about that because clearly we saw that his car was fast on Sunday. Clearly we saw that Ow. he had a chance to win that race. It was yeah. not a situation like all of the Rick Ware cars that ended up getting in the race, none of them had a chance to win this race. Derek Cope hit the wall in the first lap. Cody Ware was off the pace the entire time. and. I think I'm fairly certain Joey Gase was the only Rick Ware car that could keep up with the pack, at least in the duel. But by the time Sunday rolled around, he he was off the pace almost as much as Cody was. And don't get me wrong, I like Cody Ware. But the dude, if he really wants to advance his career, needs to stop driving for his dad's team. Because the more he drives for his dad's team, the worse his results are going to be, and he's not going to improve. He needs to get out of his dad's team in order to actually drop, improve as a driver. Because I like Cody. I think he has a lot of talent. But if he's going to be successful and actually improve his career and bolster his resume, he needs to get the heck out of his dad's team because it's proven his dad's team is not going anywhere. You are not going to impress sponsors. You are not going to impress teams driving for a car that cannot muster uh, ten mile, that is 10 miles an hour off the pace. And that's what we saw out there. And so you see two MBM cars that not only out-qualify both Rick Ware cars, but out-finish both Rick Ware cars in the duels, and they don't get to race. Now, Ty Dillon not getting to race is a whole problem in and of itself. We can talk about that later. But what I'm talking about is the MBM cars. Because if we are looking at a situation where we want small teams to be able to have an opportunity to compete, what we've just done to Carl Long is the biggest middle finger to him in the entire world. He prepared two cars, and he took two Fairly decent drivers, and at least in Timmy Hill. I'm not so sold on Garrett Smithley yet, but I know Timmy Hill is a solid driver, and I will say that emphatically. But to see those two cars have no issues running up front, 
and making their way through the pack. Timmy Hill was running up front in the lead pack. Garrett Smithley was running up front in the lead pack. Both of them ran in the top five for a couple of laps, several laps during the race, something that the Rick Ware cars would not even have a chance to do, something that the uh, BJ McLeod's Live Fast Racing absolutely decimated them. I mean, he was off the pace too, but at least he was at least off the pace of the lead draft. He wasn't like all the way in turn two and the rest of the field is in turn three. You know what I mean? I mean, that's seriously what we're looking at in, in these in these Rick Ware cars. And and God help all those drivers. I just think it's it's we've gotten to the point where there needs to be some kind of 107% rule or competition clause or something. Because I know Rick Ware is not going to be this way for very much longer. He's going to end up selling two charters and going to make bank off of it. But this is something that has to be prevented in the future because this is silly. We sent... Well- we sent three or four good cars home that were faster and outqualified the Rick Ware cars, and those guys made the race, and these fast guys didn't. That outqualified and outraced them. I just think that's ridiculous. I'm not hating. I, I understand that that's how the rules are. I understand that, hey, they were open teams. This could happen. They knew the risks. I understand all of that. I am just saying it's bullcrap. Well, I think you brought up a very good point, is that he will end up selling two charters. I think I I I I do believe that. I think he, I think he knew what he was doing. He knew that the 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 worth of these charters was just going to rise. And to your point about us sending a you know three really good cars home, because uh, Noah Gregson was pretty yeah, good too. True. Four, four good cars, you're right. You're, that This is a problem that you know NASCAR kind of corrected. We, we weren't getting full fields, or we were going to be trending in that direction. They cut the field down to 40. But now I think they're going to have to they're going to have to look hard this season and look at 22 and look at these owners, people who are interested. I mean, Adam Stern reported. Last week we talked about it that there are ten prospective people looking at or, or ownership groups looking at purchasing a charter. Well, there's not ten charters for sale. You could argue that there's maybe Spire might be willing to sell one, and yeah, Rick Ware might be willing to sell one. I don't think anyone else is really in the market to sell, and we already know that you know colleagues looking at one for sure. Um, NASCAR is going to have to open up. The, you can't have any more than forty-three cars. There's just no track on the on the circuit that has more than that many pissed off pissed offs, except Road America, maybe. Now, um, I can't. I, I think actually Daytona has forty-four pit stalls. Talladega may have forty-four as well. And I don't care. I literally don't care if they say we're going to have the max amount of cars in a race. How many pit stalls they got? And if Daytona and Talladega have forty-four, I don't care. Um, and everyone else has 43. That's fine with me. I, I know that's not necessarily the most consistent. That's kind of going back to the 1990s a little bit, but they need to open up the field size because in reality, I think we should have had 45 cars there. I think New York racing, the reason they didn't show up or NY racing, they, the reason they didn't show up is because they knew they probably weren't going to make it. They didn't like the odds. They saw, okay, there's 36 guaranteed spots. Two people are going to make it on speed guaranteed. We're maybe not going to get there. So we're ultimately racing for two spots. The odds were stacked against them. If we have 43 cars making the field, I think they show up. Do they make the race? I don't know, but they take that, they roll that dice. 
And yes, we should have only sent one car home. I really, really hope that this new uh, reinterest in NASCAR by these new new groups is going to say, all right, we got to up the ante again. We got to increase the field, the max field. And I, I would not add more than two charters, 38 charters for 43 spots in the field. Personally, I wouldn't add any because I think they just need to have the open field be a little bit larger as well so that, you know, when you come to Daytona, that maybe we have 43 cars uh, who can make the race. Maybe we somehow people bring 48. Maybe colleagues, you know, the the the, the, the lower te- the smaller teams of the world, Thor Sport says, you know what, maybe we want to build a cup car and we want to enter a car in for one of our drivers. I'm not saying that's going to happen at all. I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm theoretically spitting stuff out here. But or maybe there's this interest group where they say, hey, you know what? We want to partner with this team, kind of like what we've heard that the money team wants to do with Spire, and we want to put a car in conjunction with with this team, and maybe they enter in another car. I don't know. You know, with this, with the with what we're hearing and what we're reading, Rob, is that this new car is going to be much more financially viable for owners, and. I really hope that this does bring new ownership to NASCAR and, and we can increase the field. So what you're talking about, what happened with Carl Long and his team, Timmy Hill and Gary Smithley does not happen again. I I would hope so. And I would hope something needs to be done because I just think Carl Long got the biggest middle finger on, on Thursday. And so did Timmy Hill and Garrett Smithley. They both, both of them did everything they needed to do. And then some in order to make the race. Yeah, and they just quite honestly got screwed, and it's that's just what bothers me. And actually, I'm glad that you brought up these these things about um, the difficulties of of qualifying because and and making races because as we move on to the Xfinity series, I want to talk about something. The Xfinity series before the race, actually, the qualifying session got rained out because of the rain that happened on Saturday. So now what we've got is we've got a whole new can of worms open that NASCAR's got and 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 done and opened up. So there was a bunch of teams. In the Xfinity series, there was like two or three brand new teams. I know our motorsports had a second car that they wanted to run. Correct. Had more races this year. Yeah. And had some teams that were supposed to specifically um, compete in those races. Well, um, and then uh, Jordan Anderson is the is the other one. He had yep. he talked about it in the truck. If, if you watch the truck race, truck broadcast, um, which was outstanding. We had an outstanding truck race. And I know yep. I'm, I'm skipping it here, and I apologize for that. But – the truck race was very good. Corey Roper almost won that thing, which would have been a crazy thing to have happen. It would have been John oh. King all over again. Um, but no, Even Ben Rhodes ended up John winning. It would be bigger than John King. John oh, yeah. King Red Horse Racing, which was a solid race team. But who had heard of John King up until that race? And who's heard of him since? Yeah, but who – yeah, you're right. You're right. But but this would have been a much, much lower funded team but Corey Corey Roper has shown up to all of the races basically for the past two years yes John King that was like his first race he came and then he was released by like the fourth or fifth race he showed up to Martinsville and like was an also ran yeah okay so but my point is yeah my point is so Xfinity doesn't qualify at Saturday so now this is what we've got so NASCAR as we we've acknowledged this Due to COVID protocols, they're only going to have qualifying at the, the new venues, I think. So, like, yeah. the next race that they're going to have qualifying is going to be CODA in well, May. Well, for Xfinity, for Xfinity, they'll have for qualifying Xfinity. at Bristol Dirt. Uh, for, for Xfinity. 
So that means that our motorsports and Jordan Anderson's team and any of the other teams that weren't able to make the field uh, on Saturday are out of luck. So Jordan Anderson, if you listen to his interview after the race, because he finished, did he finish second or third? Second, right? He finished second. Second year in a row. Okay. So he finished second on Saturday or on Friday night. And then he's got a brand new Xfinity team. Like we were talking about it. He's got this brand new Xfinity team. He's going to run all all the races. He's going to run full time there. Like it was going to be a big deal. Well, now because qualify got rained out, Jordan Anderson is not going to be able to run his that he just put all his money into and that he said in, in the truck series interview on Friday night that he was probably going to have to shut down his truck series team until he didn't because he found some extra funding or whatever they did. But he would have shut down. If he had, let's just take this moment for a minute and say if Jordan Anderson shuts down his truck series team hypothetically and shows up and doesn't get to qualify on Saturday, what does he do now? Yeah. What does he do? He's got nothing now. Thankfully, he's still got a truck team that is eligible to now run the next few truck races. But his Xfinity team that he spent the entire offseason building is going to sit idle until May. Well, I actually think, if I remember right, there is like when they, when they're for this draw, because there's going to be 40 cars this week at Daytona. There's going to be 40 cars. So many of them are guaranteed. Based off of owner's points. And you had then there's like, points in Saturday's race. Yes, but there's also a random draw for two positions. Right. For people. So for people like, hey, you're interested in racing? Cool. You don't have owner's points? Your chance to make this race is if you get if you win the blind draw. So it's a lottery. It's, it's a gamble. It, it, you're right. It is. But at least he doesn't have to. In that way, I get what you're saying. And I completely agree. People's livelihoods here are basically dependent on a blind draw. Yeah, you're you're right. Yeah, I agree. I agree totally. I don't. I don't. Uh, it absolutely sucks that we can have qualifying here and then not there. I, I said on Twitter, and Jordan Anderson agreed with me. I said I don't understand why Xfinity cars you can't show up to a forty-five minute group qualifying session and call it a day. I a morning warm up. You're right. I I, I agree. I guess I I, I understand. It's a, it's a road I, course. I, yeah, group I agree. qualifying is not. It is not something that NASCAR hasn't done. I think they still do it on road courses anyway. It would not take that long to complete. It 45, 30, 45-minute group qualifying session, make sure everybody gets in like at least two or three good laps, and then I would, shut the clock off, and you know wherever you are at the end of the clock, that's where you qualify. That's where you start. Yeah, I, 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 but my point, my, well, my point I'm trying to make is that I understand NASCAR trying to be careful with COVID. We're, we're, we're not out of that woods yet. But I, it is frustrating because there was like, I think I saw at one point there was 44 teams wanting to run the full Xfinity season. Mm-hmm. And at a race like at Daytona, you're only going to have 36 six spots. It's like, this is crazy. But yeah, everywhere. And why are they open? Well, this is what bothers me is why do they open the truck series to like a potential 40 trucks, but the Xfinity series is still capped at 36, 38. Isn't it, thir- isn't it 40 for trucks if qualifying is rained out? It's thirty six. It's like it's. I thought it was. Yeah. If they don't have qualifying, yeah. then it's forty for trucks. Yes. It's so the same in, in in Jordan Anderson's case, he probably still would have made the race if they had opened up the Xfinity field. They did. There were forty cars in the Xfinity race. Yeah. There was forty five. He was in the five yeah. that missed. So right. you know, then I 
they did the right thing in saying, hey, we have 36 spots. Well, guess what? The rain benefited this series. Mm-hmm. Not often do we take rain's a benefit in racing, but I agree. I think the Xfinity series needs to be 40 cars each race, regardless of whether there's qualifying or not. And yeah, it, I I agree everything that you're saying with Jordan Anderson. You know, this is a huge gamble to take this year, and I applaud him for doing that. I mean, he had the opportunity and he took it. It's a shame he couldn't have got um, owners points. You know, it's it's like we go back to the Cup Series though. It's it is. There was a point in time where we weren't bringing 40 cars to every single Xfinity Series race. That's why they lowered it to 38, and then yeah. they lowered it back to 36. Well, now, look. We now have we've got people, cars. you know, yeah. People have, we have 40 cars won over 36 spots. It was like what we wanted to see with the Cup Series. Yeah, I just, I, uh, oh, man. Let's talk about the Xfinity race. We've hopped up. The Xfinity race was, was, re- was really pretty good. Um, I was, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Uh, it's just the issue with the Xfinity series is, and this is what something that I think is crazy is, you know, the Xfinity series of cars don't suck up and they don't get as big of runs as the cup cars. Cause the spoiler is, is smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that kind of hurt the, the finish of the race, but I thought as, as a whole, I, I very much enjoyed this, this Xfinity race. Um, I thought it was was much better than years past, especially way better in 2019 for sure. Oh yeah, um, that was 2019 was just garbage. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, was uh, Michael Annette is probably the only person who enjoyed that race. We finished yeah. watching that race inside the Indy Star uh, newsroom together. Yeah. Yeah. That was an absolutely horrible race. It was just a garbage that. race. It was Congratulations, Michael Annette, for winning that race. But he's probably the only person in the entire world who remembers that race fondly. <laughs> and even he's probably like man i'm glad they didn't try to race <laughs> yeah um i thought i wanted to point out too it was barring the rex forget about the rex for a moment it was a good debut for a few drivers with mm-hmm. new teams. ty Dillon going with toyota and joe gibbs racing daniel hamrick had a good debut played well with the toyotas riley herbst um very aggressive he's like i'm here to play boys um We'll see how the rest of that goes out the rest of the season, but he had a fast Ford Mustang there. Kind of got his boss man up in the booth nerves a few times. Uh, Tony yeah. Stewart and Clint Boyer. I thought that was going to be a disaster. When they started that broadcast and they went at each other, I'm like, guys, we haven't even waited. I said, I said Adam Alexander has to be thanking the good Lord that, he, that they put Tony Stewart in a separate room. Uh, you're probably- I feel like I, I just I the the stress level I could feel yeah. out of him. I was he I was, was like he is gonna have to break up a fight or something. He's like, oh yeah, I I don't want to have to do. Uh, I I would not have wanted to be Adam Alexander at all in that situation. So, I love Double A. Yeah. I he's he's fun with the guest the guest uh, guys. He's fun with the guest guys. So I'm and I'm gonna like him a lot more. Probably if he's with Clint Boyer full time, like they put Clint Boyer in there and then Adam Alexander, Clint Boyer, and then some guest analyst, that's just yeah. going to be great. I mean, I thought it was good last year with double A, Michael Waltrip and the guest analyst, but I think com- replacing Boyer with Mikey is, or Clint excuse me, Boyer. replacing Mikey with Boyer is, is going to be a, a way better decision. Clint Boyer had a great weekend, a great week. I thought he did a fantastic job in every broadcast I watched. I wasn't able to watch the, the duels, unfortunately, but uh, he did a 
great job. I'm I'm excited for this season. You know, I'm excited for the season for a number of reasons, but for him, it's great as well. Um, but yeah, I, I, again, the Xfinity race was solid, good race. Um, yeah, I, it's it's weird. I think their spoiler needs to be a little bit bigger, whereas a Cup Series needs to be smaller. I think there's, yeah. a, there's a happy medium there that we could change um, for both. Um, and I think the racing at Daytona will be really good. Um, and the Xfinity series always puts on a good show. Um, in, in, even though know, the plate races aren't the greatest, but there still were some great moves. The more competitive and aggressive drivers, the problem is we lost a few of those guys and a couple of big wrecks in stage mm-hmm. three. Like, like the yeah. first two stages were calm. We're going to race nicely. And then like, we didn't even wait till stage three. They said, you know what? Come to the checkered flag on, on stage two and they wreck. And I was glad. Um, Brandon Jones missed most cars, and most cars missed him. Uh, that was that's always scary when you see a car sky, skid across a trial like that. Um, good to see everyone walk away from that one. And then you know, also you had the big one. Ty Dillon got a little, little, little anxious, but you know, here I point this out. I think he hasn't been to victory lane since 2014. He, I sm- was there. Yeah, he I was that Ty Dillon's only win. Yeah, he he got a little. He got a sniff. And and he went for it, and yeah, he he he. It was what sixteen to go, in the right? Yeah, I think so somewhere around. Yeah. Right. I uh, I would have waited, but he had a run, and he and he smelled victory. In he'll get his time will come. His time, his will, time come. will come. Absolutely, Absolutely. it's Absolutely. it's coming this year. I guarantee you, it's coming this year. I think he will. I think he'll get more opportunities in a in in Joe Gibbs fifty four this year than the four he's got. All right, I think we should probably move on to Daytona. Yeah, we probably should. So let's talk about the Daytona 500. So first of all, we'll talk about this for many years, but we're, let's beat the dead horse for a little bit more. Noon start times, noon start times, noon start times. One start, one p.m. start times even we work. Could, we could have finished that whole race before the rain came if we started it at noon. Yeah, Re- whole race would have been done before the rains came if we started it at noon. I don't understand why, but anyway. So anyway, we have 15 laps in. We have a big one. I got some big say one. That. Fifteen laps in. We got a big one. And first of all, here's a big one. Big one happens at the front of the field. Takes out like most of the contenders. Yeah. Here's what I got to say about this. I'm over at my friend Brian and Emily's apartment here. Shout out to them. Uh, um, great interns. I work with them at Shroud Speedway. Listen, everyone in that field knew the rain was coming. Everyone in that field knew there's at least going to be a lightning delay. Yeah. They were going to make it to the end of stage one. Why didn't they get you know in a in a in a semicircle here and say, "Hey, guys, let's very smart. Let's 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 put on a good show for a couple laps. Let's get things sorted out. Long race, long race to go. Let's get in single file and let's not all wreck each other." But instead, for the first fourteen laps of this, well, not even fourteen, thirteen and a half laps of this race, they're trying to wreck each other. It was and amazing to me How that they spent not- the first ha- the first fifteen laps of the race racing like they should have spent the last fifteen laps. Uh, you that again that changed the complexion of the race. If the big one doesn't happen, then and we don't have another wreck. I think there's a lot more aggressive racing in the last twenty laps of that race because there's too many people antsy, and there'll be a, there'll be more cars to go. Hey, let's go down. Let's former line on the bottom side there just wasn't enough like chevy's chevy's like we got seven guys here we don't have enough to challenge the forge plus the toyotas and then 
the Ford, Fords have the same problem. We don't have enough people to, to, to challenge the, the Toyotas plus the Chevrolets. The Toyotas, they're not pulling out. Denny and Chase were trying to get something going multiple times. Uh, there, uh, it was before, it wasn't there at the end of the race. And you could tell t- Austin Dillon's wanting to go. He is wanting Austin to Dillon go. Austin Dillon was like begging. He had and a so great, Brad. Brad, he had a great is, car. This is what I wanted to say about Brad Keselowski, and I said this on Twitter too. This guy, Brad should not be beating himself up today. Or it's not his fault. He no. did nothing wrong. Brad did every single thing right. He, this is what I was watching him, and I, I knew it was going to happen. Two to go, he does a smart thing. He's lagging back. He lagged back to get a run in a turn three. And I knew it. I said, this guy, he's going to do the same thing off turn two and try and get Logano going into turn three. Yep. And uh, don't go into turn three. He was going to do the same exact thing. And sure enough, that is he exactly did. what happened. He was doing the same thing, except for the fact that Austin Dillon had stepped out. And as soon as Dillon steps out and starts side-drafting the rest of the field, he can't get as much of a run as he thought he would. McDowell right. is the one who gets the run. Yep. So when Brad starts to step out, he's like, okay, I've got the run. I'm going to go on, Mc- on on Logano. He's not expecting McDowell to be coming up on him with a head of steam. He's right. not counting on that in his head. He's not thinking that's going to happen in his head. And as soon as that happens, he makes the move. McDowell hits him. He's like, oh, oh crap. And, 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 and that all heck breaks loose. Well, and and you know, I don't I don't see too many people. I saw a lot of 06 Talladega comparisons, Brian Vickers wrecking Jimmy Johnson. It was nothing like that. It, it was, was a simple like matter that. of NASCAR lets this happen yeah, this every was- single year because they don't do anything about the plate racing. They're not here- plate the, the 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 package. You have these cars essentially creating parachutes of air and gigantic holes of air, and they get runs that are, quite frankly, getting to the point where they are dangerous. Because these guys, and, and this is another thing that baffles me, and a lot of people were bringing this up, is they police uh, tandeming in the trucks in the Xfinity Series. But yeah. then in the Cup Series, it's a free-for-all. They could tandem all they want. And we're seeing worse accidents in the Cup Series because of it. Because these guys are not, I mean, we had, remember 2011? It seemed like those guys could tandem and be and play safe and be smart about it. Now they've lost that ability. They cannot tandem and be smart about it. They have to aggressively slam into the back of the, the cars, and it gets them all squirrely every single time. They can't stick to the bumper of them like they're supposed. It's like if you're going to tandem draft, at least attempt to have some finesse to it. Don't just go in there as aggressive as possible and slam draft the other guy. You have to go in there with finesse, and nobody's doing that. All throughout the race, every single bump is not a just. Every single tandem draft, I should say, is not a tandem of the year of of old. It is a I'm going to slam the living crap out of your bumper until you get further in line, and that is how they are racing now, and that is what is causing all of these. And that's why exactly why they're not. And this is the thing: is they have to do that because you, unless the car in front is dragging the brake, there is going to be no possible way that you could get this car slowed down and still get the run that you're going to get. So the runs they're getting are too big. It's making it unsafe because then they have to slam draft into the back of the car because the car in front's not going to drag the brake. Car in front's not going to drag the brake. And, 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 and the car behind isn't going to drag the brake to let to, to get up to them. You know, nobody is going to drag the brake because, and, and which is crazy because back then when you had restrictor plates, you had to drag the brake. You couldn't 
dare get out of the gas. If you got out of the gas, all your momentum was lost. Now you can run half throttle in the in the draft and nothing will happen. I don't understand why they're not just letting the cars couple together slowly and then pushing their way to the front like they used to. That used to that was how you got through the Xfinity series, Nationwide series, 2013-2014. That is exactly how you survived is you coupled together slowly and then pushed your way to the front. Now it's screw slowly, pow, 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 let's go. Oh, did I just turn you because I hit you in the wrong way? Oops. And that's just what happens. And and it's, everybody seems to be fine with it. And David Reagan said it at the at the during the rain delay. He said he doesn't understand why everybody's being so aggressive. Fifteen laps into the race, and I agree with him. I agree with David Reagan. David Reagan is somebody who knows how to finish a restrictor plate race. He's done it before. He's done it plenty of times successfully. And every and now it seems like the last couple of years he's been getting caught up in somebody else's mess because they can't race calmly in the first few laps. And I I am just blown away why nascar doesn't at least fix the package why there's no drivers meeting why there's no policing of the bump drafting because what we've seen and i talked about this on twitter last night too and i know i'm going on a long ramp here but last year we almost killed ryan newman and this year we almost killed brad and kyle brad keselowski and kyle bush i mean those that accident i swore somebody had to have gotten hurt until i saw brad and kyle get out of their respective cars i thought both of them were hurt and maybe that says that's uh, a good thing for how you know safe the cars are, but you cannot keep pushing this envelope every single super speedway race because we're going to get to Talladega, and the same exact stupid things are going to happen. They're going to wait till turn three to make moves, and honestly. It is statistically safer to make your move with three to go and try and get to the front than it is with one to go. You have a better chance of making your move with three to go because if you get to the front and then get shuffled out with two to go, you still got another lap to get back up to the front. You've got time. If you wait and wait and wait and wait, you don't have time and your moves have to be more desperate. If the earlier these guys go, then the safer the finish is going to be. But the later these guys wait, the more and more desperate they're going to get, the more and more out of options they're going to be. They're going to have to take more risks, more chances, more unnecessary maneuvers are going to be made, more blocking, more aggressive pushing, all that stuff. It leads to this. They have to do something. Somebody has to get up into the NASCAR guys and be like, we cannot be running around single file with three laps to go and then allow all hell to break loose on the last corner. That is not how this is going to be. I mean, I'm not complaining about the quality of racing. If they finished single file like that, I would have said, all right, at least they didn't tear up cars. But no, they tore up cars. And that's where I'm upset about it, is you're not saving cars by doing this. You're just tearing up more in a more dangerous way because guys are getting more desperate and aggressive the later and later they wait, and they can't go, they can't do things at like they want because of the package, I feel like. I, I don't know, Josh. I know I've ranted for a long time. I want you to take it away from here because I just, I, 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 I don't know what else to say. I think I've said everything. I think you're forgetting something very important with the runs. When you get a run that quick, your reaction time, I don't think they have much time to react. I think it is, when you say coupling up slowly and then you slowly make your way up front, these guys, these runs are coming so quick that Joey, the leader, didn't have any time. He His only decision in his instinct is to block. Mm -hmm. 
that's his instinct. You don't have this, the time to say, he spotted him, man. TJ Majors didn't say, hey, run's coming on the bot. Oh, crap, in the wall. Didn't have time to get that much of a sentence out. That's a big thing. There's just no reaction time at all. And these races have turned into 490 miles of planning. Mm-hmm. That's all this is. It's not even it's not even 490 miles of survival, you know, just surviving, making sure, you know, you're not involved in this one guy who spins and in, in, in hits the wall. You're, you're avoiding that incident in, in 2001 Daytona 500 where Tony gets up and, and flips over the field or a 2002 at Talladega with, with the Xfinity Series. You're not – that's not the point anymore. Yeah, you got a plan. And I think the because the runs come so quick because everyone's afraid of that parachute that if you pull out and you fall back so quickly, I think that's hurt the quality. They're racing side by side and they do it and they get it cleanly and successfully. That racing is exciting. Yes, but what they we, can do it. They've proven several times they can do it. It's I, just that they don't when it comes down to big races. Sometimes they or they don't do it. They don't do it in certain circumstances. I can't really pre. I can't they don't really think of one. But this isn't. This isn't. It's just the plate racing. Or they, yes. they were super speedway racing. It's not real. This is. This isn't a problem that's relevant on any other type of track. We should also. I, we should also preface. And I saw this point out by a few people that people are saying this is creating too many bad bad crashes. Bad crashes are going to happen anytime. Well, that, yeah. what happened with what happened in this race in both the lap 14 big one and the white flag big one can happen at any time. It could happen in the Xfinity series where they're going with runs that are slower. They're, they have, they have too little downforce and it, it clearly can happen in the cup series where they have too much downforce. But the problem with this wreck and with the problem with Newman last year, is just simply the reaction time in the in the speed or the rate of um, the the uh, rate of closing, closing rate, yeah, that's the problem. They're just too quick. I mean, look how many times did Chase Elliott try to pull out, and he would fall back, and you're like, "There's he." I think he's lost a draft, and all of a sudden, he's right back on the bumper of the car in the end of the mm-hmm. of the line. We saw Jamie McMurray who had a damaged splitter. The splitter I was, was making up. no front down for us at all. Yeah, and he was and he was leading a th- pack of three or four cars back to the back to them. Now, granted, I that was the most ridiculous thing. I was like, dudes, if you guys want to go anywhere fast, you have to pull around Jamie and let him trail off the back of you. Yeah, he was a better pusher at that point. So that shows right there how big of a hole this package is punching. Again, it's an exciting race. I think when they we've seen it done cleanly, and and I think Daytona, just the narrowness of the track makes it even that much more precarious. Mm-hmm. Talladega a little bit wider. That's that's well documented. Again, the race itself I thought was good. Was it the greatest five hundred ever? No. But let's point out a couple things here. We we ranted about that. By the way, congratulations, to Michael McDowell, Front Row Motorsports, biggest day of their lives. All right, they've uh, Front Row has won at Pocono and they've won at Talladega. Uh, won at Talladega with David Reagan. Won at Pocono with uh, Chris Busher. I believe that was their third win. So, congratulations to them. Huge win for that team. Congratulations on being in the playoffs. I want to talk about. Two, I want to talk about. Uh, 
two drivers in particular here. First off, Austin Cindric. Yeah. This Thanks. cup field should be worried. That well, we'll see what in- happens when he gets on a non-super speedway race. I want to see what happens when he gets on a non-super speedway race. I'm confident in this kid. I if think he was he, running next week, I would be excited. I would be very it. excited. I would be a little worried. I think this kid's got talent. I really do. I've said this on this podcast since day one. I think he's got talent. I think he's in a very good position. I think he matured rapidly. In the I've enjoyed watching him, how much he's matured over yes. the past two years, really. Really, uh, he went from being a complete wrecker and a disaster behind the wheel to being a complete master in like that. I think there's a good chance, and I, I thought about this earlier today. And uh, my 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 friend Brian also pointed this out too. I think Brad is racing for a ride. He has oh. to prove. He has to prove. Kind of like what Chase Briscoe did last year in the Xfinity Series. I got to prove I deserve to stay at Penske. See, no, he, see, he's still going to the Wood Brothers next year. If anybody uh, worried about Matt Benedetto, he's going to the Wood Brothers. Uh, it's a one-year contract, Brad. Plans can change. I think Matt Benedetto— They're not going to kick Brad to the Wood Brothers. Come on. Not, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about kicking Brad out completely out of the Penske. Not gonna kick, Brad won the first— Championship for Penske. What have you He's done for me lately? Plenty of races. What have you done for me lately? That's my thing. Br- Brad, look, Brad is good for a few races a, 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 a year. Uh, wins a year. I, I and, and he's a good driver. I'm not calling Brad Brad driver, but I think he feels the pressure. He's seen what Austin Cindric did last year, and then he had to go out there and be like, "I'm running eighth, and Cindric's up there running fifth a lot." I think he might be worried and, and should rightfully worry because I think Matt Benedetto keeping him at Wood Brothers will be a very popular decision amongst NASCAR fans. And I and I think if he has a good first half of the year, I believe plans can change. Everything is negotiable on this earth. Everything is. And I think we could see a situation where Cindric continues to be doing doing what he did last year Running well, winning races, looking like he's going to be a very huge favorite to get to uh, the Phoenix. Okay, Brad is having not a bad year, but a typical Brad year. Hey, Austin, you're going to be in the car, dude. I know it's been one race, but I think in his interview, Brad said I needed to win the 500 this year. He needed to pull a Simon Pagano. In the Indy 500 in 2019, it proved. Okay, Roger, you does you need to keep me in this car, and 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 he did. Okay, and he made the move, but all four Penske cars ended up wrecked at the oh, end of this day, though. I, I I know that. I I, I know Brad, that. Joey and Austin were all in contention to win this race at the end of it. Okay, I don't really. There are I mean, like, I, drivers you just mentioned. Their futures are secure right currently at, at Team Penske. Brad has a one-year contract. I so does think Lewis Hamilton, but come on. That's a completely different situation. I think Lewis I, Hamilton's I would say, I Again, Brad is good enough to on his own. I understand he hasn't won enough. I understand he's not been in, in very good form. But again, I want to go back to the fact that I don't really think anybody is peaking right here outside of maybe Kevin Harvick. 
And then it's only because they proved that they don't need we don't need no stinky practice. That's that's literally what Harvick is. But the rest of the field and the rest of the paddock needs practice. Unless you're Kevin Harvick and Ronnie Childers, and you just know each other that you could set up the car to be perfect right off the bat. Everybody else is going to need practice. Nobody else has had practice. That's why everybody else has been struggling. And it's been proven. Kyle Busch is struggling. Brad Keselowski is struggling. Everybody, all the Jimmy Johnson was struggling last year. Everybody is struggling because they don't have practice. practice. It doesn't matter. Jimmy Johnson struggled with practice. It doesn't matter. The whole 40 cars next week at Daytona, they're going to show up and race, and they're not going to have – it's the same rules for everybody. Kevin Harvick and Ronnie Childers are a magical duo. They're Jack House and Jimmy Jimmy Johnson, late 2000s. Everyone else, though, is still playing by the same rules. It's not that Joey Logano and Brian Blaney are getting practice and Brad Keselowski isn't. They're both all three of those guys are not getting practice. Some drivers need the practice more than others. And Brad is one like Kyle Bush, regardless of how much talent that they are, they need to practice ahead of time to set up the car properly. And they don't have that. And that's why their performance is struggling. It's not because they themselves are regressing as drivers. It's simply because they don't have the opportunities to set up the car to their likings anymore. And especially they're working with new crew chiefs. Both of them are. Yeah, it's second year. Second year now. Second it doesn't year. matter. Brad is in his second year, so maybe they'll improve. But last year was totally new for them. They didn't have any practice. He didn't have hardly any time to work with his new crew chief. I, I and see, I get your point, and I respect that. I respect your point. I think I just think he's right. He's racing for a ride with Penske. I think if he if he gets fired at the end of the year, he's going to land somewhere. I really, he Brad Kozlowski will find a cup ride. Someone will pick him up. Roger I, Penske, I, I, I'm telling you this right now, Roger. If Roger Penske releases Brad Keselowski at the end of the season, and it's going to be the single dumbest thing that, that guy does, period. And I, I will say that emphatically. It will, be, it will be almost as dumb as dumping Elio out of your IndyCar ride and then dumping him after a couple of years of sports cars. That's it. Would it would it, three years of sports cars after a lifelong service to him, and you're done. Uh, thank you, thank you, Roger, for giving Elio the trash, the shaft. I, I appreciate that. He's gonna do if he does the same thing, Brad. Total mistake. Total mistake. There's quick no way, Brad. Quick, quick thoughts about Bubba Wallace and twenty three eleven Racing's uh, debut race. It's together. fifth Gibbs car, dude. It's fifth Gibbs car. I expected this. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. I did not expect this. His qualifying speed, his practice speed, and his race speed surprised me. And the conspiracy theorist in my head is like, oh, hell, that engine has got to be like 10 horsepower more than the rest of the field, right? Conspiracy theorist, right? Realist in my head is like, that's just a fifth Gibbs car. Let's be honest. It's going to be fast no matter what. Um, And clearly, the guy was drafting with Gibbs cars mainly because they're the only other Toyotas. Also, another fun, a completely random fact: uh, manufacturer involvement in these things has killed plate races and has killed super speedway racing more because drivers are like worried about getting reprimanded if they work with a guy who's just convenient. It's like if Chevy, you're a Chevy driver, and a guy with a Ford is got is coming up on you in the in real fast, and you get behind him and you push him to the win, even if you win the race, you pull out and pass him. I feel like you're gonna get yelled at because you weren't working with the Chevrolet. I'm like. Dude, screw you. I was working with the fastest car. I'm not going to sit here and wait for a Chevrolet to come through. And that's what they're having to do. They have to sit here and wait for somebody that's of their own make 
to pull out a line and go before they feel like it's safe to go. And that's that's another thing that bothers me. But my point to Bubba Wallace is Bubba did great. Um, I thought he, even though he had that loose wheel in the end, I really thought he was going to catch a caution and get back on the lead lap, and he should have. Like Larry yeah. Mack was saying, statistically, he should have caught a caution and gotten yeah. back on the lead lap. Um, it didn't happen, and he ended yeah. up getting involved in the last lap accident. But, you know, I think he's going to have a good good season this year. Again, like I said, it's a fifth Gibbs car. He's going to be fine. And, and and my dad brought up the point, too, is like this is a well-funded car. I mean, Denny well. Hamlin and Michael Jordan are pumping money into this thing, and I'm sure Toyota and, and Joe Gibbs are giving him some money, too. He's going to be fine. His sponsorship I, is, like, secondary at this point. He's going to be fine. I think it's – uh. Do I think he's going to go out there and contend for top fives, you know, like a Kevin Harvick, like last year? No, but uh, I liked what I saw. I again, I like you. I was impressed by the charts that uh, that they were involved in, and I, I I think he will. I think he'll make the playoffs. I I do think that. I think he will. If, at the very least, he'll point his way in the playoffs. I like that he's kind of set a goal out there. And again, a very good point pointed out by a few people. There's a difference between a goal and an expectation. Okay, mm-hmm. the goal is to get two wins for him. His goal, his goal, Bubba's goal. I think that's great. I think it's a great goal to set because I think it's actually achievable. And again, I think it's achievable plate races. In short tracks, he's got let's go one Bristol race and three more plate races. So he's got six to me, he has six solid opportunities to win. All right, I think it will be a learning curve in the sense that you've been in Richard Petty Motorsports equipment, uh, albeit improving each year, but that equipment is still inferior to this Joe Gibbs racing information that you have now been, that you have been receiving and that they've built this car around. In addition to, as you mentioned, a well-funded race team from this, the ownership alone. Um, Yeah, he will, he will, he will set new highs, personal bests for average finish, you know, top fives, top tens and all that stuff. I'm I'm excited for this. I was excited for it for last year when it was announced. So good to see him get a good start. Not to, not to finish. He wanted or the, the car and pieces that he wanted, but a good showing. The record books won't show the whole story. So The last we- thing I want to say about the Daytona 500 today is every new team that showed up impressed me. That's good. Yeah, I would um, say that we're fast in the same They thing. all Spire. outpaced and outqualified Rick Ware Racing. All of them. BJ McLeod's team outqualified Rick Ware Racing. MBM outqualified Rick Ware. Of course, we already know 2311 outqualified him. Uh, but all, all of the track house, teams. Trackhouse was impressive. Trackhouse, you know, I saw a lot of people. They put a lot, There's a lot of people who put money on Suarez because they liked his odds. Uh, and, and, you know, Pitbull was a great guy. I saw, I loved him right as the, like they, Fox put him up in the booth with uh, uh, Justin Marks right after that. And I love that. He was like, yeah, we just tore up our car, but, you know. There's always next week, and we got a good team, so, and we got a good driver, so ah, whatever, you know, on to the next one. Like the Love positivity of this guy, like most other team owners would probably be like, oh man, we just wrecked in our first race and only 15 laps in. No, this guy's like already looking forward to the next week. Yeah, this is his pit bull is already looking forward to next week. He's like, I, you know what? I know this race didn't go well as we thought it would, 
But you know what? There's always next week. We're going to come out here and do great. But yes, that's what I'm saying is all of the new teams came out and emphatically destroyed Rick Ware Racing. And then considering the fact in the last couple of years, we've seen new teams kind of like come in and they've all literally been backmarkers. They've all been complete backmarkers that kind of scrape by or also rans. All of them outpaced them. And of course, they also outpaced the Starcom car of Quinn Half. So, and also, I love the irony of Quinn Half saying that uh, William Byron was a, um, uh, a, a crap box. And I'm like, dude, you should take a look at the car you're driving. No, you, should, um, you should take a look at who wrecked William Byron in last year's Daytona 500. Mm. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, yeah, okay. so um, maybe Quinn Half uh, needs to uh, humble himself a little bit more. Anyway, uh, outstanding performance of the week. Josh, go ahead and go first because we got to get yeah. through Next, this fast. <laughs> going to make this real quick. Josh Berry impressed the heck out of me. His Only his eighth Xfinity Series start, first since 2017, and in a first on a super speedway, held his own, very much the Austin Cindric of the Xfinity Series race. I think he was in a position to win that race had he not be involved in the crash at the end. Expensive day for junior motorsports, all four cars crashing, but he impressed me. I'm looking forward to the next 11 races he will be in here in 2021. Uh, mine's going to Austin Cindric because of his performance on both Saturday and Sunday, and I think that is self-explanatory. I don't think I need to explain any more than that on why I'm doing that. Um, so let's move into the upshift downshift so that we can get all of you guys home and uh, nice and warm. Uh, finishing our podcast here. Uh, upshift, downshift, uh, you know the rules. You know the rules. If you don't know the rules, follow along the best you can. NASCAR president Steve Phelps said that there are more that more variation for the 2022 NASCAR Cup Series schedule is possible. Do you upshift or downshift this, Josh? I downshift. I think we need to see how this season goes, especially with the COVID deal. Um, if there's any variation, I think you'll hear what I want to see next week okay that works for me um i'm gonna go ahead and downshift because honestly the amount of variation that we have right now is already overwhelming enough we've already lost a lot of tracks that i think we shouldn't have lost uh and i uh, maybe i i'm the old fuddy-duddy who's like no no change i'm scared of change but i just whew, slow down guys we've already got the the, the wildest uh, schedule shake up in the last 20 years and we really, really need to slow down because we got to start trying to be consistent here. Um, that's why I'm going to downshift that. So, and we already talked about this briefly, so I think we both, I both know where we're going to stand. But NASCAR should increase the Xfinity uh, series permanently to 40 cars. Josh, are you going to upshift on that? Yeah, I think I, I, I didn't know you were going to bring it up, and, and when you did, when I wrote this, so yes, I upshift 40 cars permanently, make it a done deal. Yeah, I upshift as well, and I think we know this. This was cool over the weekend. I saw this. This was awesome. Uh, I'm going to upshift it before I even tell you what it is. An IBM commercial with Jamie Chadwick as the central figure aired multiple times during the Daytona 500. I love this. Uh, did you love this as much as I did, Josh? Uh, yes, I upshift, A, because it's what needs to be happening in NASCAR, in IndyCar. the In motorsports the, in general. Yeah, well, yes, but a sponsor – a partner who, how, however the classification is, is airing a a commercial with their driver in another motorsports or another sporting event, another t television event. Jamie Chadwick has nothing to do with NASCAR. Her car has nothing to do with NASCAR. She's the W Series champion. That's that's my point. You're promoting someone, a partner, 
And that was so cool to see. And it was cool. Introducing um, uh, with you, you just mentioned on the side note, it's introducing who's Jamie Chadwick to all these NASCAR. Yeah, look her up. Trust me. She's cool. She's a good driver. Not, not only to the fans in general, but also the, the, the young girls and the women watching, watching this race. Who is Jamie Chadwick W series? Learn more, learn more about how we're trying She's to promote. A champion. She is an FIA W series champion. Yes. It was great to see. Great to see. With with very respectable credentials in Formula Three region in Formula Regionals. Um, last question here: uh, Two of NASCAR's younger and prospective future stars, Chase Elliott and Ryan, where are we calling them young and pr- prospective future? Chase Elliott is a champion. They are stars now. I mean, all of the they're not future stars anymore. They are stars. I would say Chase is. There's several years. There's there's several years removed from the Xfinity Series. I, I think they're here. They're here to stay. But anyway. Uh, they battled for the end to the end uh, of the bush clash. Do you upshift or downshift being a uh, let, let let me change this question. Do you upshift or downshift this being more of a changing of the guard season in NASCAR? Ooh, I like that. Everybody, every I, major driver except for Kevin Harvick and Kurt Busch of the last 20 years is now retired. Ryan Newman. Uh, okay, Ryan Newman, yeah, I guess, but Where's his championship? It's it's lost in 2014 and 2003. I think the changing of the guard. Man, that's a great. It's a great thought. I think it's happened. That's like all, all of the major players from the last 20 years are now gone. We're entering a new decade. We're entering an entirely new era of NASCAR, where this is the era of the young kids that are either going to stay here for 40 years or they're going to flame out and leave on their own terms on on a high note, like we've seen Jimmy Johnson do, we've seen Tony Stewart do, we've seen Jeff Gordon do, uh, we've seen Dale Jr. do. I think we'll see more young drivers win, but I still think that Kevin Harvick, the Joey Logano's, of the world are going to win more races. We talk about the Joey Logano's of the world. He, he, this is another guy who, again, is not like an He's old been guard veteran. I am talking about the old old guard, the Kurt Bushes, the Kevin Harvicks, the Ryan Newmans. The I would old, say the old guards, the guy that you and I grew up with watching every single season. Every they, single yeah, if you're going by that, yes, they're yeah. The yeah. guard the era has changed. The, the chapter has flipped, but I still think. Kevin Harvick, Joey Logano, those are going to be the guys who win. Joey, Joey Logano is not. I I don't consider him to be in 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 that though. I think I think if you've been in NASCAR since two thousand and seven, you're in that. If you were in NASCAR two thousand seven, two thousand eight, you were in that old guard. You know, you saw that change from the car of yesterday to the car of tomorrow. That's a very convenient location because Logano's rookie year was oh nine. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. I Logano is Logano never ran outside of an ARCA race and in the nation which race. He never ran a cup car with car of yesterday. That's what I'm talking about. Guys who ran car of yesterdays. Did he not run? Yeah, I guess he's only starting. Kyle Bush, I would even uh, include in there. Kyle Bush, I would include in there. Kyle Bush, it was rookie year was in 05. Yes. So Kyle Bush is in there. Okay, you are including him in there. Look, I, th- I yes, by 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 one definition of what you're saying. The garden, the chapter has flipped. It flipped maybe yes. a year that's ago. What, that's what I'm saying. That's why I'm upshifting. The guard is completely flipped. We are now entering the season, the year, where everything is going to be different this season. This, this, but in this my, but, but this in decade. my opinion, I still think when you look at the end of the year, 
Kevin Harvick, Joey Logano, Kyle Busch, Brad Keselowski, they're going to have more wins than these young guys, Chase Elliott, Ryan Blaney, William Byron, Alex Bowman. Okay, so Brad Keselowski's going to have more wins than all those guys, but he's not going to get re-signed? I mean, he'll, if he gets three wins, he gets three wins, but I still think he's got to do more than that. That's my point. Okay. I, think he's gonna do more. I, think he's, I think he needs to get six, seven, and needs, and needs to get to the championship four. Okay. Yeah. Three wins isn't going to cut him. Tell yeah. us about your featured racetrack, Josh. <laughs> I'm not. I, I I'm not ending that because I'm like annoyed. I'm I'm just like I don't have anything else to say. I think the guard has changed. Like I look in 2001, you had the most change going through a NASCAR off season. I think that we ever saw. The TV rights changed. Dodge entered. Sponsorships changed. There was a huge tons and tons of moves over silly season. Yeah. Um. Teams, new teams entered. Old teams shut down. You're seeing the exact same thing happen now in 20, 2021. All right, so you're the talking. The old guard is over. The old guard is gone. We've got a totally new crop of young kids coming in, or kids, people, not young kids, but people who were young kids at one point that are now respected champions. Like Jeff Gordon was in 2001. You know, I, I would, I actually, there's no, no comparison from Jeff Gordon to 2001, but. You know, I, I'm saying, like, that's what we're looking at. You know, that new 2001 was like you were entering into the era of Gordon, Stewart, Dale Jr., even, I would argue, at at one point. Um, Michael Waltrip was, at one point, a threat at least to win most races uh, on super speedways. Um, we were entering into a new era. And now, look at the, what we've seen. New teams. We haven't gotten that new manufacturer, but maybe that's further down the line. Um, we've got new drivers, new faces. We've got that old the, the the kids that were rookies are now the champions. You know, look at, at, at 2001. Again, take 2001. Bobby Labonte was a rookie in 2000. What in 2000? 1994 or five? Maybe 93. No, he wasn't a rookie with Gordon. 94. So about the same time that Chase Elliott was in NASCAR. Yeah. So Chase Elliott's rookie season was 20, 2015, 2016. He was in these finishes. So Bobby Labonte, Bobby Labonte goes out. He wins championship in 2000. Chase Elliott goes out. He wins championship in 2020. I'm not saying they're the same, but I'm saying if you look at that timeline, that's the, the era that we're seeing, where if you compare it to the era of the generation 2001, 2021, I think is that is the closest we have had to having that much change and that much uh, new in in NASCAR since then. This is how I, I, agree this with that. I agree with that wholeheartedly. There's a lot of change this year. I still think certain drivers are going to be winning over the youngsters. And and, and that was the same way in 2001. You still had Rusty Wallace winning a okay. few. You still had Dale Jarrett winning a few. You still had Mark Martin winning a few. You still had those guys winning, but – at the same time, Tony Stewart was now winning. Dale Jr. was now winning. Matt Kenseth was now winning. Um, you know, uh, who else? Uh, shoot. Um, I mean, Kevin Harvick was now winning. And, and you know, all of these drivers who were young rookies two, three, four, five years ago were now winning week in, week out and competing regularly and were going to challenge Jeff Gordon for the championships. And at that I point, Dale Jarrett never was in contention for a championship after 2001. Uh, Bobby Labonte, same way. Never was in a con contention for a championship after 2001. 
Um, you know, all those guys that came through. They or not Bobby Labonte, but uh, who am I? Yeah, Rusty Wallace was not going to win another championship. Yes, two thousand five, he made the chase, but whatever, he finished ninth. Um, I'm thinking about other guys. Uh, who else was in the old guard? Sterling Marlin had a career resurgence in 2001 with Ganassi. Um, he had a career resurgence where it really looked like there was a period of time where Sterling Marlin could potentially win a championship. Uh, but 2002, he got injured and Jamie McMurray came around. You know, this is what I'm talking about. We're seeing I think in that perspective. I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. There's no change. The change. I am comparing the 2001 offseason and subsequent 2001 season to 2021 and yes. what I think that 2021 I will come. That I upshift wholeheartedly. I just broke the gear shift. Yes, I, okay. I, I upshift that. That To that point, I upshift and agree with you 100%. Okay, so, okay. so I kind of changed the question around and made it a lot longer than we wanted it to be. <laughs> we should learn about your featured racetrack before because we've – are we at two hours by yet? By we now? got 12 minutes before we get to two hours. We got 12 minutes. Well, let's go fast so we don't keep people too late. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but still uh, make it make it entertaining. But yeah, we had a lot to talk about, a lot to debate, a lot to rant about. It happens on this show. It's going to happen. We usually try to keep it around. We didn't have Thursday. news to talk about, so we got to just rant. Yeah, we did. That's very true. We, we might have gone a little bit over, but that's okay. It's okay. All right. Um, no, you didn't have to listen to this all at once. You can pause halfway through. Um, I've discussed a lot of old racetracks on this podcast and today i'm going to share just a little bit of one's history when i say just a little bit i mean just a little bit of one's history because there's so much to cover and this is a basic cliff's notes version of its history auto racing began here in 1903 and even through the ups and the downs it has operated ever since today i share america's legendary oval the mile the milwaukee mile located in west alice Wisconsin originally, the Milwaukee Mile, was a private horse track, which was built in 1876. Uh, the track and land was sold to the state of Wisconsin in 1891 to create a permanent site for the state fair, and horse racing uh, began at the state fair in 1892. The first automobile race was held on the dirt surface in 1903, uh, and William Jones of Chicago won a five-lap speed contest, setting the first track record with a 72-second 50-mile-per-hour average lap. Safety improvements uh, progressed through the next few decades uh, as the first barriers being picket fences used for the horse racing barriers eventually gave way to the first concrete barrier in 1920. Uh, horse racing even uh, still took place at the Milwaukee Mile during this time. Uh, they uh, had to still loosen the gravel for the horse racing, and then they had to pack it back down to get auto auto uh, racing to go through that had to be a job back then i can't imagine doing that back then it had to be a lot of hand tools and a lot of slow old tractors uh much of the milwaukee miles survival and success in the early 20th century is to uh tom marquise uh who uh had the full backing from the state fair board during his promotional reign uh, from 1929 to 1967. This included the construction of a 14,900-seat grandstand before the first-ever uh, champ car event at the track. In 1937 and 1938, a non-championship AAA champ car race were, uh, were held those years, won by Rex Mays and Chet Gardner. First championship race was contested in 1939 and, and won by Babe Stapp. 
Seventh place finisher in that race was Joplin, Joplin Missouri's own Spider Web. Hmm. That is an awesome name. Just want to go out there and say that. I mean, it's 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 up there with Stingway Rob. Yeah, very true. Very true. In April 1954, the State Fair Board decided to focus the facility's attention on auto racing and paved the famous oval, but kept the interior half mile uh, for harness racing until 1959, along with a quarter mile dirt oval for weekly sprint car races. Uh, it was also during this time that an infield road course was constructed, uh, giving the Milwaukee Mile a diverse array of uses. Now, did you know this? The Milwaukee Mile was also host to American football games? Yes, between 1934 and 1951, the Green Bay Packers of the NFL would play games, uh, game or so a year inside the track, and it was known as the Dairy Bowl. The Milwaukee Mile uh, was home to, also home to the 1939 NFL Championship game, which the Packers defeated the New York Giants. I don't like the Giants. I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, so this makes me very happy to read this. I just like Eli Manning. It's fair. I'll give you that. It's very fair. They defeated the New York Giants that day 27-0. to uh, That was the Packers' fifth NFL title. Uh, the, track, uh, the track was also used as home for the Milwaukee Chiefs, of the third American Football League from 1940 to 1941. Uh, the 50-yard line of the football field that he used was approximately where the start-finish line is, uh, and temporary stands were even constructed inside the infield on the uh, half-mile dirt track. It's like surface is the way I understand it uh, for the game so that more people could watch. Um, in 1967, the track entered a new era of level and safety, uh, a new pit lane was constructed, which was separated by a retaining wall. So, you know, you just didn't have the, the pit lane as it is today and didn't have the pit facilities that they did back then. Well, here they were thinking about the future and um, separated the two. A new new garage area and paddock was built. That brought an end to all the dirt racing and the infield. Uh, the road course did remain. Um, so any this ended any official, you know, non-car racing. So no more harness racing uh, took place. In 1984, NASCAR arrived with the Xfinity Series, then known as the Bush Grand National Series. Uh, it would also be the final year competition for sport car racing on the road course, and it kind of set dormant for, for a long time. It wasn't used as it was um, prior to this point. Uh, NASCAR didn't return from 1986 to 1992, and the track was actually in danger of losing uh, uh, cart dates. Enter Carl Haas, very same uh, from the well-known Newman Haas Racing Team, he was given a long-term contract to organize all racing ventures at the Milwaukee Mile. Uh, he quickly installed new front stretch wall and repainted the grandstands just in time for the 1992 running of the Miller Genuine Draft 200, won by Michael Andretti in a Newman Haas Ford. <laughs> the following year, Nigel Mangel, Manzel recorded Nigel his first, yeah recorded his first uh, win on an oval at Milwaukee again, driving a Newman Haas Ford. Very interesting. I thought that was kind of a neat little piece of history there. Mm -hmm. The Xfinity Series returned in 1993, and the track was a part of the inaugural Camping World Truck Series schedule in 1995, then known as the Super Truck Series presented by Craftsman. Oh, such a sweet name. Mm -hmm. The resurfacing, uh, a resurfacing took place in 1986, uh, which also led to pit exit being, a new pit exit being constructed to wrap around uh, turns one and two, and a strip of grass separates the pit lane for a pit lane exit from the racing surface still to this day. Uh, Remeasuring of the track did take place, revealing that the mile had grown slightly to 1.032 miles. An IRL again remeasured in 2004 
to a figure of 1.015. Don't know how that changed. Don't know if they got it wrong the first time or I don't, I can't explain that. I won't even speculate. And that figure was continued to be used by IndyCar uh, until its most recent departure. However, NASCAR, as always, maintained the one mile length just for tradition purposes. And it makes the math easier. Uh, the fair board, uh, Brought further in, uh, improvements in 2002, giving the track brand new aluminum bleachers, including 25,000 seat grandstand in the center. 2004 saw the road course uh, receive a resurfacing for use in corporate events, driver training, and karting. The retaining wall separating the pits from the track was also replaced during this time. When the fair board was unable to find a new promoter for the 2010 season, NASCAR and IndyCar left. NASCAR hasn't been back since uh, 2009. Very sad, very sad. Um, but IndyCar returned under Andretti promotion. This lasted only five seasons, however, and major auto racing hasn't been back since 2015, but that changes this year. The Milwaukee mile will play host to the Arkham Menard series. I know it's not the cup. It's not the expanded. It's not the truck, but it is kind of, it's still major. It's still a major series. It's it's still a big major racing series in the the Milwaukee mile. It's a big deal. We've been all wanting to see the truck and Xfinity return. Everybody wants racing at Milwaukee to return, and you're finally getting it. Enjoy it with the ARCA series. There have been a few minor races there. I think ARCA late models or something, Midwest race there a few times as well. They they were supposed to have a race last year. It was ultimately canceled because of COVID. But they will race there on August 29th, and it will serve also as a combination event between the the big ARCA series and the ARCA East divisions. Um, Yeah, many have fought for the track. Uh, to be closed by the state of Wisconsin and this uh, being told, hey, state fair board, redevelop this, reuse this land for something else. Um, but it has been saved. It is good. I know, I know, I know. How dare they? I, I know. The, say, uh, the Save the Mile campaign has been active for over a decade and now and still pushes Wisconsin legislators to help preserve the Milwaukee Mile and continue race operations and, and, and facility improvements. Hey, this, this is a big piece of history. It pre- presents, you know, a great opportunity. I think it presents a great opportunity economically for the area. Right. You know, I yeah. think it's a great place. You know, if NASCAR were ever do a wild card race for the cup series, <laughs> once every five, six years, I think that'd be super sweet. Um, but uh, yeah, I will have to talk more about this track. There's just too much to talk about, especially when we talk about time. I think I've gone over what I wanted to go. Um, We will revisit this track. I'm planning on doing it during August later this year when the Arca Series uh, divisions will be there. So uh, for this portion, Racing Circus Info, the history of America's Speedways past and present, and Save the Mile helped uh, give us this Rollers featured racetrack. Rob, unless you have anything else, I think it's time to start uh, the countdown clock on this podcast. Winding down. Yeah, what's in the windshield for the upcoming? NASCAR is going to stay in Daytona Beach for one more uh, week before heading down to Homestead. The Camping World Truck Series will be there on Friday. Uh, and then the Xfinity Series will be there on Saturday. So we've got Sheldon Creed looking to defend his uh, his race, his it's win, right. I guess, on the road course from last August. And Austin Sindrick is looking to go back-to-back, not only back-to-back on the road course, but then back-to-back to start open the season. And then, of course, NASCAR is going to return uh, as well. This is what. Look at these weird. Look at these. Look at these weird names. Distances. These weird distances. Yeah. So is- for the trucks, the trucks are the Brake Best Select One Fifty Nine. Mm-hmm. 
for the Xfinity Series, it's a Super Start Batteries 188. Now, 188 isn't uncommon. We've seen that used at Road America for a distance before. Middle. But, uh, yeah, they're middle. I think it's middle Ohio. I think it's mid Ohio and in, in uh, Road America too. It's like a 179 also at mid Ohio. Yeah. But the weird. truck, but or excuse me, the cup is really the weirdest one. Is the O'Reilly Auto Parts 253? It has to be some magic number laps. I didn't do the breakdown here. Here, let me see. I'll I'll do a quick math math work here. It's, two, it, it's not two two fifty. I I like that's what's weird to me is it's not two fifty. It's it's. It it's comes up to approximately 70.8, which I would imagine they'd round up to 71 laps. So you say it's 3.57 miles here. Yeah. So I don't understand. That sounds like they're adding an extra lap yeah, from 250. Like yeah. I don't know why. It seems like they're adding an extra lap for no reason. Just And, and, and instead of adding 250 miles, it's this weird, obscure 253. I wonder what that comes out to be in kilometers. I feel really bad for people with OCD watching NASCAR this weekend. <laughs> I feel really bad for them. I'm so sorry. Yeah, um, it's like a little over 400 kilometers. Again, though, why? I, I don't know. I don't know why. Why the app? Yeah. I, okay. I can't tell you. <laughs> okay. Uh, remember our social channels. We do have social media channels that you could talk to us anytime. Uh, I'm rpeters33 on Twitter. He's ro- uh, roller underscore zero one on Twitter. Our show is at Robin Roller, spelled just as it sounds, R-O-B-A-N-D-R-O-L-L-E-R. We are so thankful that you actually listened to us this entire time. And if you actually made it to the end, you deserve a cookie. So without further ado, we are going to take uh, the next week off, I guess. And come back with you next week, a week from now. Uh, <laughs> we don't take any time off. We don't take any time off. We're going to come back a week from now and uh, give you the same great content that you always know and love, the same great banter. We're going to maybe fight a little bit more, maybe. I don't know. Maybe get into like an actual fist fight next time. No, I'm kidding. I, I, um, I'll, I'll try to Looney Tunes my fist through this camera <laughs> if you want. I, mean, I, I thought for a minute there when we were arguing about Brad Keselowski, I was like, are we going to That hit? was awesome. That was fun. I loved, I love that. I, I just want to say, like, I'm not mad at you at all. I love the discussions that we have on yeah, here. And we, we do agree a lot because we do share a lot of opinions, a lot of thoughts, or at least the end result. Sometimes we find a different way to get there. But it's nice when we do disagree. And I love that that you're so far on this side and I'm so far on, on this side of it. I, it's going to be fun to debate and watch that this year. That's for sure. I think we're going to have a lot of fun this year. So Daytona Road Course, don't forget about it next week. They're at the Road Course. We're going to see if it's going to be as good as The Clash. Um, one thing that is as good as this clash, The Clash is this show. So thank you again for listening. Uh, and we will see you guys all next week. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Racing with Rob and Roller podcast. Have a good one, everybody.